You people are fucked. You're living in a dream. And you still sit here talking about the fucking Oscars? What rough beast slouches toward Bethlehem to be born? Huh? Yeats. AJ. Yeats? The world. Don't you see it? Bush let Al-Qaeda escape. Oh! In the mountains. Then he has us invade some other country. Let's join up. Go kill some fucking terrorists. It's more noble than watching these jack-off fantasies on TV of how we're kicking their ass. It's like... America. What about it? I mean, this is still where people come. To make it. It's a beautiful idea. And then what do they get? Bling? And come-ons for shit they don't need and can't afford? You're all over the place. I don't know what you're trying to say. He's saying the framus intersects with the Ramistan approximately at the Paternoster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every single episode of The Sopranos. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen every single episode of The Sopranos, and I'm already emotional. Let's get into it, Jim. Who put this final episode together? Well, let me just give you a round of applause first. Yay! Thank you did you. it, dude. You made it. Wow. What a journey it's been. It's been over two years. We stuck yep. to it. We didn't binge it in a, in a week or two or a month or whatever. Uh, we were, I mean, it was, we, we already peeked behind the curtain a little bit. It wasn't always just, uh, an episode a week. Sometimes we doubled up here and there just so we could, uh, you know, not be late with episodes and try to make sure we're getting them out properly. Uh, but as we had mentioned, we never, we always kept the finales separate. We always kept the premieres separate, but we did it. Little self-congratulations before we get into it. But yes, this is the final episode of The Sopranos titled Made in America, written and directed by showrunner, producer, series creator, David Chase. The man himself. And a, a round of applause for David yes. as well. Can't believe we got all this way. Um, yeah, I finished it. I finished The Sopranos, Jim. I don't know if you heard. I yeah. finished The Sopranos. I, I've seen all of them now. Uh, so, like, what am I supposed to do with my Saturdays, Jim? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what to do, Jim. <laughs> exactly it really is it's become a part of us uh and it is it's uh it's i I, some people would say it's weird to get emotional about a tv show but no i mean i was emotional i rewatched. i watched this for a second time before we uh started recording and i mean just in general the episode is emotional obviously but i know that part of me was getting emotional during the final scene just because it's like oh my god this is it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And I can't confirm I've gone through like a like a pure dove. I have flown through a storm of spoilers to land safely here. And I was so excited. I think I texted you like, try to spoil me, Jim. <laughs> Fuck you. You can't. No one can spoil me. I can Google the Sopranos now. Yes. I've not been able to Google the Sopranos for two years, Jim, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What a, what a minefield that you made it through. And yeah, we kind of went into it a little bit when we were discussing the rediscussing the pilot. But yeah, you you essentially didn't really have... Any of the big things besides, of course, the cut to black, the titular cut to black, but uh, you didn't yeah. quite know context or anything else around it. You just kind of knew to expect that, which uh, not not so bad if I, if I don't say so myself. Yeah, expecting it like I think we'll obviously get into it, but like I think the ending's great. 
but I'm definitely colored by the fact that I knew it was going to cut to black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I could, you get why people might have one reaction immediately and then retrospectively a different one. Um, but yeah, man, we're going to talk about the final episode of The Sopranos. Before we get into it, I wanted to mention that we've gotten some emails and things, feedback and, and thoughts just on The Sopranos in general. We will be doing a sort of uh, catch-up episode just discussing the series in general and everything and all of your feedback. So if you have any thoughts, please send them on to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com and we'll include them. Once again, that's showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Um, you can also leave us a review, which are still very much appreciated. We got a really nice one that I thought we'd uh, read out here because uh, it made me feel good, and it might make you feel good. Um, so let's see. It's Who wrote this one? Jesus, I had it just a second ago. <laughs> Do you have it, Jim? I don't uh... have who wrote it. I'm sorry, but I, ha- I have the actual review. So with The Sopranos' recent 20th anniversary, I decided to come back to it and watch it entirely from start to finish. Despite starting during its original TV run, I hadn't quite finished it, so for my partial rewatch, I wanted to listen to a podcast that was spoiler-free and progress through the series episode by episode. This podcast by Jim and Jacob was a great find. I've listened to almost every Sopranos episode of this podcast, having recently passed it. Even though I've completed my Sopranos rewatch, I'll surely listen to more episodes of this very entertaining podcast covering what is what was the greatest TV series I've ever experienced. The format uh, of the podcast is a scene-by-scene analysis by Jim and Jacob. You probably know this if you're listening to it, but here's the self-congratulatory bit I wanted to get to. They cover, uh, they cover the series almost from a perspective of TV writers discussing how effective it is and the emotions it successfully elicits from the audience. These guys are pretty knowledgeable about TV. Finds, uh, refer- they find references to other TV shows and can point out how particular aspects of The Sopranos have influenced shows which came after. They also have an acute sense of humor. They find things hilarious that many people probably wouldn't notice, and they laugh a lot during this podcast. It provides a lot of entertainment and makes you enjoy The Sopranos even more. More. If you're not interested in overanalyzing an awesome TV show, some podcasts of The Sopranos do find meaning where there is none, but looking for more of an insight on the show during your rewatch or spoiler-free first watch, you can find it here. Uh, and uh, they also recommend the video streams on YouTube, saying you can see their reactions on video, which makes it even more humorous. <laughs> um, and also they asked us to keep uh, to start doing that again because we've just had like a, a still screen up on there. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. Some technical things got in the way. So for now, we're just doing the still screens. But I, I'm glad you enjoyed those bits. And I very much enjoyed this review. Yes, yeah, that was actually from Boss Furio. I did find it uh, great for Sopranos fans and first timers. Um, so yeah, that's the, the 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 brilliance of us. If I could get into the brilliance of us for a moment, is uh, sure, <laughs> is uh, that uh, it, we do go through it with you, and you are a first timer. And I mean, people out there do exist, and. The just because we're done with our weekly drops of uh, episode by episode, you could still tell your friends, you could still review the show, which will help people find the show that are getting into the Sopranos or rewatching it or what have you. And plus, we will continue more discussions uh, about the show and maybe other uh, media that David Chase has been involved in, James Gandolfini. Of course, we have the movie coming up later this year so there will be other things on the feed and uh anything you could do to help us out would be much appreciated uh because that'll also give us more motivation to try to 
mine the Sopranos as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, long-time listeners will remember that between the first few seasons, we dipped in and, and listened to uh, or discussed uh, some uh, films that were relevant to uh, to the actual show and discussed them. And I think the next episode on this feed will probably be a crossover episode with our other podcast, uh, Real History. Um, that's one where we talk about the historical context of uh, different shows and stuff. So just a heads up, the next one on the feed might be a little bit different, but it's because me and these Irish fellows who are really into history are going to talk about The Irishman, which obviously feels like it relates a bit to The Sopranos. So I thought it might be interesting to discuss just the historical context of like, how did we end up in the situation that we're in at the start of The Sopranos. When Tony's talking about the good old days, what were those days actually like? What happened in, you know, New Jersey, New York? So we're going to get into that, pop that on the feed, and we're also doing, like, a wrap-up, like we said. So there's going to be some things, but if you want to hear us talk about other TV shows, I mean, we've said it a lot, but there's a lot of coverage on showswhatyouknow.com where we talk about all sorts of TV shows, some episode-to-episode and some just general overviews. We're also open to suggestions for uh, other shows to discuss. Uh, once again, that's shows what you know show at gmail.com. Is this enough of a prelude? Should we get into yeah. it, Jim? Yeah, I think I think we've made them wait enough. Let's get into Sopranos Made in America, uh, the, mm. the series finale. And I mean, come on, the very first shot of the episode. Yeah. What does that look like to you? I mean, not to it jump. Like- a- oh, go ahead. No, it looks like the cover of our podcast, Jim. It looks like uh, Tony waking up in the pilot. Well, but it also looks like he's in a casket. Coffin? Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, see that. Obviously, we're going to get into it a bit, uh, but it looks like he's dead. Uh, and yeah. the music the music that kind of kicks in is almost sounds like a like funeral procession-y type music, but then he kind of kicks up awake, and it's where we last left him when he went to sleep with Bobby's gu- the gun that Bobby gave him for his birthday. And uh, we're off to the races, right? They're definitely going for that. I didn't even pick up on the casket thing, but they're definitely going for that. I thought more of how it parallels because we just rewatched the pilot. Yes. Uh, I mean, we see Tony waking up and and going out with Christopher and all that. And it's a kind of a similar sort of feeling, except now he's in a safe house with a giant gun next to him and everything. It sort of shows this is no longer Tony stumbling down with his bathrobe. Things are actually uh, happening now. Yeah. No, I think that completely works as well. And, and I mean, I, it's not like when I first watched this, I picked that up and I've seen, I've seen other people post about it in the past. So, but it's just like, yeah, when you look at it with that shot and just the way the pillows behind his head, um, it kind of, you know, it looks like we're at his funeral. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and we might well be. Let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah. Um, so in the next scene here, uh, Tony's off with uh, Polly. They're looking for some information now. I I didn't know who he was going to meet, and I was surprised that it was uh, Agent Harris. Um, Tony's called him to give him some extra information about a branch that these two guys, these two suspicious guys were about. Now, do you think Tony made this up or did he actually remember it? Because he's obviously getting the agent there to pump him for information on Phil. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I assume he's just making it up and he knows Mm -hmm. that that's like some good bait. But I guess it's never really clear because... You know, they'll they'll drop stuff in like that all the time where, oh, yeah, you know, just so happened to not be on an episode. But Christopher was talking about a bank or what have you that they were involved in. And maybe he was keeping back some information because it was tied to some other deal they're involved in. But now the gloves are off and whatever it takes to to get 
um, info from Phil. Now, I've seen other people discuss this. Uh, would this be... I mean, is this... How secretive is this, do you think, as far as Tony's concerned? Because given he's not giving information about uh, this thing of ours, he's talking about these a- Arab gentlemen, but is this yeah. still crossing a line that he's meeting and, and, and talking to the, to the feds here? I don't know, because when we talked about it before, when he was given information on these two guys, because it was from a place of him actually like being concerned for national security or whatever, I felt like, and because he just happened to meet them in quotes, you know, at Satrelli's, um, it felt like he could, you know, pass it off as like, ah, oh, those bloody Muslims or whatever, like he could, he could, like it would be fine, I felt. But thinking back on it, and especially seeing this, it's like, yeah, but if like, like your your uh, reputation is everything as we've heard you know remember about junior going down on that woman that was like the end of him yeah you don't know what you've done woman pie in your face i miss junior so much um yeah i feel like this would not be a good look but then loads of people are already trying to kill him so you know fuck it right yeah yeah i guess yeah it's just survival at this point and they do the one little quick thing that i you know i always love these is what agent harris mentioned something about they got a tip at the airport and maybe it was a bad tip maybe they were testing response time and then tony's like you know my son's obsessed with this shit we tell him he's making a molehill out of it you know are we wrong (laughs) yeah it's just another like you know him saying something wrong i love i i love those uh and i appreciate uh, another one here in the scene yeah, usually they're called out on the Wikipedia article, uh, but this Wikipedia article is like 90% about the last scene, <laughs> <laughs> which I do want to read most of the quotes there from David Chase as well as we get to it. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I also picked up on that. Uh, he sh- I guess he should have said, we tell him we he's making a mountain out of it, but that doesn't sound as good. I get where Tony's coming from. Yeah. Uh, we also get to hear Agent Harris sort of yell at his wife in the phone, and I kind of feel like Tony's like, Agent Harris, my guy. What a bonding moment hearing him jealous. His wife, I yell at my wife. So relatable. Yeah, me and you, man. Two peas in a pod. Uh, Then we have, uh, they head over to, it's like the safe house that Carmilla and uh, Meadow and AJ are at. But I mean, like, AJ still has his girlfriend there. I mean, I guess he makes a comment like, ah, who's she going to tell? But it's it's totally things that... In other shows, it would be like, no, oh, my God, he told the girlfriend, and then they follow the girlfriend or whatever, and then they find out. That's how they find out where they're at, stuff like that. Yeah. But in The Sopranos, you're like, oh, no, no, whatever. The girlfriend's there. She, they use the front yeah. door. Tony says they're not supposed to, doesn't it? <laughs> what, what, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, similarly, later, as AJ points out, like, we're just going to go to the funeral, and it's like, yeah, no, there'll be loads of FBI agents there. It's cool. Um <laughs> Yeah, I guess this is the Carmela's uh, spec house or whatever that she bought and is going to do up um, her house number two. So even that is like, you know, it feels like people would be able to find out where, you know, Carmela bought a house if they really were digging into it. But um, I honestly but didn't even like, make that connection. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I wasn't even thinking yeah. about that. But uh, of course, yeah. duh. But uh, Tony, I think Tony is even like Phil, you know, he doesn't like Tony, but I don't think he would go after his family just because. So the only reason he would go in here is if he thinks Tony's there, which to be fair, he is uh, just not staying there. But the reason they're out of the main house is that people might come there looking for Tony. So Tony's the one actually drawing the bad attention. So, uh, yeah, they will probably be fine. And in fact, they are. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so then Uncle Bobby's funeral. Now, we've been to so many funerals on this show, but I, I, I think it is, you know, a, a interesting slash weird choice. This funeral we just see through the FBI. We just see it on, like, their um, their cameras or whatever. So, it makes perfect sense to me because it's, yeah. like, confirming what Carmilla said and also a way to show that... As with all of these types of ceremonies that we've seen throughout The Sopranos, it's always been, well, I guess not so much weddings, mainly funerals. There's a funeral, and then it's all about sitting around eating and talking bullshit. Like, it's not as, like, everyone has to show up because it's, like, a big thing or whatever, but it's, everyone kind of forgets that they're at a funeral at the thing after the funeral. That's kind of what happens yeah. here, too. So that's no, the interesting scene to get to. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It, it, it gives just that extra disconnect uh, because it, we do cut into then it's just the catering, the food, a lot of small talk. Everyone's hanging out. It doesn't feel like a funeral. It just feels like a weird get-together, almost like yeah. when someone gets picked up by the police and then when they're waiting for them to get out, they do the same thing. They just don't dress up yeah. in suits, but they always yes. have catering and food and everyone's hanging out, making small talk. Um, and I mean, I don't know, to, to get more into the crazy theories, it's almost because it's like not trying to take away from essentially Tony's funeral or just the funeral of the show in a way. Uh, mm. because it's like, you know, we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I feel like, I mean, wh th what would that scene even do at the funeral? It's still like that part is always going to be the same. Janice yes. is going to be there bawling her yep. eyes out, making a big scene. Tony's rolling his eyes, but then he's kind of sees a picture of Bobby and he's like, oh, I kind of like that guy. Ah, oh, like, fuck it. Just skip past it. Yeah, it's it's not the, essential. Or he sees the kids getting emotional, something like that. Uh, yeah. So then we have Polly. Gets invited to, I guess it's the kids' table essentially, but like you know, kind yeah. of the grown kids, um, and what they're talking about the Oscars. This is where we hear some of the clip from the start with uh, AJ, and I love AJ's uh, like little soliloquy or what have you here, because it does feel like how David Chase has talked in the past about how like he sees himself as AJ in a weird way. <laughs> And okay. he is kind of making points, but they get he gets called on it because he is all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but it it is it's almost like it's it's similar to Tony uh, a couple episodes ago where he's talking about how like you almost have it, like you feel like you have this big epiphany or this big idea, but then you can't you can't grab it. And if you're AJ, you can't explain it either. But He's mostly correct, I think, in stuff that he's talking about, but he's being a little bit AJ about it because they are at it's a funny. funeral. Yeah, it's funny as well that uh, we were trying to figure out how to say Yates <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> a couple episodes ago. <laughs> and they're like, Yates, Yates. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I feel like he is exactly like Tony. The difference is that Tony's big and powerful and he's the head of the family and everyone kind of has to listen to him and kind of go, yeah, exactly, Tony, when he's going on about his shipping containers or whatever. <laughs> when AJ's talking all this bullshit, everyone's like, what are you talking about? Uh, like the Paternoster, et cetera. Like, uh, you know, they're just going to make fun of him and that's going to make him go join the army. Makes and, sense. And not to like get too into like the psyche of David Chase, but at least from watching the show you know and like trying to sit with each episode and we've talked a lot about his anti-climaxes and stuff he likes to kind of lean towards i feel like it is a weird meta thing of like 
he's even calling himself on his bullshit uh, where he's yeah. like, I'm trying to say all this stuff in this show, but I mean, is this just a dumb mob show or am, yeah. is my, is what I'm saying clear to anyone? Uh, but I don't know. That, that's, that's how I like to take from it. Well, the very next scene as well is like a clip from TV when they're talking about writing for TV. That certainly feels like a very sort of David Chase, yes. like talking about myself, talking about television. We got to get some of this stuff in there. there so it's uh, been in here in the show before, but a bit more like over the top. Now it's just kind of a mention about talking about a pilot. And you're like, I get nostalgic anyway for the pilot just from that. What yeah, were you going to say? Well, they're watching uh, the Twilight Zone episode. It's called The Bard. Um, it's mm. the final episode of Twilight Zone to be an hour long. So, I mean, there was more, but they were shorter, I guess. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the basic plot is that, um, yeah, it's a direct sat- satire of the American television industry. Uh, the episode concerns an inept screenwriter who, through the use of black magic, employs w- William Shakespeare as his ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nice. I've definitely read like a short story that's like a modern day version of that. Like Twilight Zone is one of those things I'd never really watched, but like you recognize stuff from it, obviously, in like Black Mirror yeah. and stuff like that. But also like there was a some short story I read that was like reanimated, like they created AIs of famous writers and then had them sort of spit out pages. So basically like a head in a jar, but like it's just a computer program that's writing all these stories and then take credit for them. Anyway, that's a that's an aside. Uh, yeah. So yeah, just quick little uh, thing on that. I mean, they've mentioned that very recently. We've heard mention of the Twilight Zone and such, but here we go. They're watching it on TV uh, at their their safe house. The envelopes are coming in. They're coming in light because you know people are kicking up to New York. No one knows who's fully in power here. This is what yeah. they've always kind of been worried about if a war broke out. Um, and what they want to go see Silvio, but Tony makes an excuse, and even they're kind of like, "Yeah, yesterday was his gout." Uh, so what is just Tony afraid? He's afraid to leave or something. I guess that's what it is. He doesn't want to leave without his FBI, um, his <laughs> FBI guards, like either meeting the FBI or uh, having the FBI watch him, and he's always carrying around this gun. Uh, but I mean, can you blame him? Why would he? Why the fuck would he want, want to go see Silvio? Yeah. I guess it's more that uh, like. Do you think you'd get more respect if he was like, nah, fuck that, I'm laying low, rather than just giving excuses to make it seem like he doesn't, you know, care? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Or also, I guess it's just the general, like, you know, the discontent's going to start regardless, excuse me, uh, regardless, because money's getting lighter, you're fearing for your life, and it's like you have to look to this guy, and he's going to do something about it. How great is this next scene, though, uh, where there's a tour bus talking about this once huge little Italy now shrunk to just one street. And there's like actual tourism going on. Like, I feel like it's perfect way to reconnect to so many themes of like how, you know, uh, this uh, this subculture is fetishized and everything. And they're like, oh, ooh, like driving past where actual mob <laughs> things are happening. And they're yeah. talking in the tour bus about all this. And we can see it, too. When is his name? Butchie? Yeah, Butchie. I think so. Butchie's walking, talking, I think. And like at the end of it, he's like in Chinatown or whatever. Yes. So he's like walked out of little <laughs> Italy, just having a stroll. Uh, it's just a great way to reconnect with that. Yeah. It's so great. And I mean, they kind of touch on it a little bit again when Tony goes to see Janice and he's talking about how the cornfields used to be there. And now it's yeah. like a bunch of McMansions or whatever. Um, and yeah, just the general, whether it be 
uh, specifically Italian or Tony talking about coming in at the end or even just America in general, like more so change and just how things are changing. And uh, yeah. yeah, there we go. And then Phil. Speaking of chain. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the substance of the scene is, you know, Phil is really mad that this isn't handled properly. And Butchie's the guy who's always been egging Phil on. And now he's kind of <laughs> like, maybe we should, I don't know, like try to try to squash this because it's getting a bit out of hand. It wasn't this quick thing we were hoping for. So maybe we can fix it. And of course, uh, he's having none of that. Yeah, no, of course not. And, uh, you know, hey, you're breaking up. I like how he's calling him kid because it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but she's not. But she's not a kid. <laughs> He's a ghoul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's so great where he looks up, he's all confused, and yeah, he's in Chinatown, and he's like, all right, yeah, go, go back to my block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is great. And the next scene is the one you mentioned there where Tony goes to see Janice, and uh, yeah, she. I was like, oh yeah, she's in that house. Um, I love the opening where she's like, ah, can't he have that? I got to snag a new husband or whatever. Need to watch my weight. And she he laughs. And she's like, you're the only one who realized that was a joke. It's like this, uh, you know, we're, we're really weird, but at least we're weird together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get it. And then they even bring up the under the boardwalk joke, uh, yeah. kind of confirming that Janice didn't really take too much offense by it. That's just the soprano way. I mean, yeah. Bobby kind of got it because he did say, you sopranos, you take things too far. Uh, but yeah, then kind of nice little memory, I guess. I, like, like it's a soprano thing too, because they're laughing about, ha, ah, remember that fight we had? <laughs> Just another story. <laughs> remember when my dead husband beat the shit out of you? Those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> and they're talking about where, like what's going to happen with the kids or whatever. Um, but yeah. And, and he says, you know, Tony says like, maybe you can bring Harpo here, like a new nuclear family or whatever. I guess he's being genuine here. Like, cause every other time he brings up Harpo, you know, Sakai blue, where is yeah. my mama? Uh. It's pretty rough, but I guess he, he kind of means it here. And she just says, uh, he's not Harpo anymore. He changed it to Hal, which is such a, like such a Janice thing to do as well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, she, and she's even, she like directly tries to say like oh that's that shit with ma i went to therapy i put it behind me but then she's showing livia tenden- tendencies because she immediately says not that i get any thanks for it and she's yes, talking brilliant and she's talking about how she's not gonna let sophia leave because of her baby daughter and she needs an older sister but she doesn't quite care about is it bobby jr uh i think i forget yeah. like his son but then she's yeah. also kind of talking about maybe she wants she'll give it a go with both kids. Like she's definitely all over the place, and it's it, it still feels like Livia Soprano. And I mean, as we see later with her going to see Junior, the old Janice didn't go away. Um, the the Janice that was trying to find where Livia had buried her money uh, is now maybe thinking that Junior, who we did see. <laughs> Not too long ago, thinking that there was maybe money buried somewhere in his backyard. So everyone thinks that Junior still has money stashed away, potentially. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, just to mention it again, it is so great when she says, like, I've had therapy. I'm a good mother. I put Ma and all her warped shit behind me. And Tony's like, yeah, good. And then in the very next shot, she's like, not that I get any (laughs) thanks for it. It's just so great because, you know, we know Tony. We know Livia's. And we know all of this so well. Um, yeah, I just love it. And on the way then back, back to this, uh, this beer truck or whatever that they keep driving around in, 
Uh, he gets a call from Agent Harris, and I was, uh, you know, I was surprised because uh, Harris has told the line always. Like he, he did budge a little bit and tell him about, you know, uh, him being in danger. But it's pretty different to say like this guy you're trying to kill is over here. Yeah. You should go for it. <laughs> like yeah. pretty different. And like some other sexy FBI lady comes out and is all judgmental and has obviously heard what's happened. <laughs> so that's fun. Well, I love that. It's because it's. The implication is that Agent Harris used his nice, bushy, hairy chest and seduced... My read is that he seduced this lady who's in the division to get information on Phil and then was able to call Tony uh, as soon as she stepped away. Like, I feel like he played the seduction pattern and, and like... You know, was like, seduced the information out of her. Did, did 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 a solve for tea. My God, that's maybe exactly like is this the brooklyn contact <laughs> yeah. is this brooklyn i'm almost person? positive that's what it, what's happening here that makes a lot of sense to me and i'm trying to find uh there was some note about how like this is bit partially based on real life on like some i'm trying to find it now like i said but it, some fbi agent who was given information to uh some mob fella and there was a whole he, like the line that's later uh what does he say we might win this thing Ugh. um like that's okay here it is so chase included allusions to real life american mafia history um so the line damn we're gonna win this thing spoken by harris after being informed of phil Leotardo's death it alludes to former fbi supervisor uh lindley de vecchio i don't know if that's how you say it but he famously uttered this line after being told that lorenzo larry lampassi had been shot to death in front of his brooklyn home and was later charged for informing the mafia on various accounts another parallel to tony soprano and agent harris oh wow yeah, I, I love that moment when when uh, he's like, yeah, he, we're going to win this thing. Like, it, yes. but I kind of you almost get it because it's not so much that he's on the take like he's getting paid or anything like that. It's just he's been embedded in this for so long that he does see Tony as a person. And it's like this this weird byproduct. And especially now that he's more disconnected from it, he's not on the side of we got to get this guy. He's just on the side of like, oh, that's a guy I've known for 10 years and I don't want to see anything bad happen to him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, going into DeVecchio's own Wikipedia article, uh, there's a whole thing about like he worked with the FBI for a long time, did loads of stuff, um, like handled various FBI informants in the mob. But then like he all these things came out after the fact that he may have had some, you know, given some information, had some involvement. And there was like a trial here uh or a district attorney indicted him on charges that he'd helped uh someone kill four people in the 80s and 90s by supplying confidential fbi information and it says the case was based almost entirely on the testimony of uh, his longtime girlfriend and that's what i thought the connection was with the lady coming out and hearing that he told someone on the phone um but anyway don't worry because he he wasn't actually the the case was just dropped and then he wrote a book about it so (laughs) it's fine it all works out for agent harris so he didn't face any comeuppance and uh he probably profited greatly from it so no worries uh america yeah we get a couple uh quick well like shots of them like trying to stake out some pay phones and again that's another thing like they're, uh, you know, pay, that's the thing, like, payphones are disappearing. There's even, like, a direct line later, like, oh, not a lot of places have those anymore. 
So just yeah. kind of more change. Things are changing. Uh, then we have AJ, uh, the, AJ and his chick, which we find out she's in high school now. Like I, I'm trying to figure out how that works. I'm, wait, I'm like, wait, how old is AJ? And wasn't he? Didn't you mention that this girl was in episodes in the past with the Arnon situation? So she was like, yeah, but Arnon was definitely the type to just hang out with high school girls, you know. So I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, and AJ, I guess, is not that too far removed from high school at this point. But still, I mean, of course, that that's just a nice little detail. They're parked on the leaves and they're discovering Bob Dylan, Uh, and it's it's funny because it's like. We've all had that moment where we think we've found something and it's like, well, I mean, it's fucking Bob Dylan, like, and they're like, you know, this could be like today. Uh, and it's weird because it's corny, but also it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is that weird in between where it's like, it's, it's cornball because you're not finding anything new, but you're finding something new for yourself. Uh, and of course it just leads to the car blowing up. <laughs> amazing like i am i i don't know i'm so forgiving of aj even with his like a little rants and everything like in this episode i had i thought like one or two times like man i love aj like everyone hates aj <laughs> but then i i just love aj in this and i'm so glad that he didn't die and I, so i'm forgiving almost all of this shit to the point where when they're in the car and i see some smoke coming up i'm like no did they do the thing are they gonna kill themselves while having sex in the car because she was also in the place for whack people but uh no they just parked on leaves which apparently you shouldn't do um I, but yeah they <laughs> well, sorry, i've never heard that either but yeah continue <laughs> yeah i just uh i just assumed uh that when i saw the smoke i was like oh it's her cigarette that she put out wrong or they did the old tube in gas themselves to death while making out which would be really depressing um but yeah i guess they're taking the step here because they say like this could be a bad idea or whatever so this is presumably the first time They've uh, fooled around seriously, and uh, it ends with the bang. Not not the kind you want, but what a what a fuck of an experience. And I love AJ's reaction to it later as well. Uh, you know, they run out and, and say like, at least there wasn't any gas. And in a true like, this is one of the few things where I don't feel this would happen in real life. But yeah. it just explodes enormously. Yeah. It feels really cinematic for being in the Sopranos, but it makes sense as something for AJ to latch onto as like an explosion of all his guilt from taking, you know, mob money or whatever for his car. Uh, that's how I read it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, I mean, again, it is more like classic chase. Cause even though I'm with you, I love AJ, but there's still a part of me that's like, this is the last episode. I don't want to spend so much time with AJ, mm. even though sure. I, I don't, I, I don't dislike it still, but I'm still kind of like, all right, come on. Like what, what else is going on? But it still works, and uh, it is more classic. Like, I think that's very deliberate on Chase's part. He wants you to think that, you know, oh, are they killing themselves? Is something, is, is this a big thing? No, it's just they parked on some leaves and a fire happened, and uh, now they, they got out. They're okay, but the, the car's not okay. Yeah, and uh, so he's being ranted at by uh, Tony and Carmela. And but he seems kind of uh, relaxed about it. And they say, you're not getting another one. And he's like, well, we have to break our dependence on foreign oil anyway. I'll just take the bus. And they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I love uh, Carm's Carm chimes in with, 
you know, if kids that are playing in those leaves, you want to ran them over or something like that. And he's like, I guess. And then that makes Tony mad. And then even Meadows like, no, like, I don't think he's being being a jerk. It's just what Carmelo said made no sense. Uh, and then I think Meadows storms out. Well, I, guess, I mean, I don't know if it comes as a storm out, but maybe it does. Uh, and she calls him a fathead, I think. Or no, a fat mouth. <laughs> Fatmouth. What does this even mean? Yeah, Mister Fatmouth. I mean, well, actually, now I wasn't even thinking about it before. Do we count this as a storm out? Uh, let me reach. I, I what, think well, we said our, our, our rules are Tony. Stringent. It's Tony's storm storm out. Storm out, right? Yeah, it's okay. it's got to be Tony. I think unless someone is in therapy and storms out. That's what yes, we've always said. Right now, maybe the murders gave him an unfair advantage because we're at eighty-one deaths and only eighteen <laughs> storm outs. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I wouldn't count this one. It's just a. Uh, it's just someone leaving a room. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. But what does Mister Fatmouth mean? What is this, Jim? Is this a thing? I don't know. I guess it's just you know something that's like uh, a way to call him a name, but not be too offensive where he'd flip out. <laughs> it's it's just yeah. innocent enough, but has just enough uh, just enough push on it. Yeah. Um, so then another sort of way for us to view things through the FBI, there's a quick scene where they're listening in on some phone calls. Um, I don't know. I don't remember who's talking to who. I just remember the FBI guy listening in just writes down soprano question mark. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, I mean, I'm watching the show called The Soprano. So I'm like, yeah, no shit. But I guess for him, he's just making notes or whatever. I, I what What is this about? This is kind of about how... They're dissatisfied in New York with how Phil is handling stuff and they want to meet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I don't even know if the character Tony were ta- that Tony is talking to that we've seen or know. It, he just has these passing references of like, you're not a part of that family. You're neutral. Maybe you could talk to the little guy and we can have a sit down. Um, and yeah, it just basically sets up that he's her. Tony has word that some of Phil's guys are actually not all gung-ho at this point, the way things are going, and maybe they're ready to reach out. Maybe something can be worked out, and that brings us to the sit-down. Um, hey, anyone want a water? They got, like, what convenience store treats and waters set up. And the scene's kind of yeah. shot weird because it's just there's some obvious, like, weird little time jumps where we just kind of cut in on different com- parts of the conversation. Of, uh, yes. you know, like, well, we started it. You know, we got a dead Guma and uh, like Russian father. And they kind of well, shrug that off. To, to, uh, since it's our last episode, Jim, I, thought, I think it's only appropriate to reference a scene from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah. They do the exact same thing, which you met, yes. brought up to me the other week. Were you yes. thinking of that scene when you I, watched this? Yes, I actually was. There is an episode <laughs> where they... They have this big uh, fight, and yeah, kind of the camera just cuts around within the conversation where you just pick up by what they're talking about, the context, like, oh, okay, this is a different part of the conversation. And it, it's fairly yeah. effective. And I feel, I know we grasp at straws to reference Gilmore Girls, but this is the only two examples I can think of. Like, it's exactly the same type of scene. It's an argument, and the thing being all sorts of shit is going to get brought up in this type of argument. Yes. So you just need to show a little bit of it. And I mean, yeah, that's been in, in therapy with uh, with AJ. There was a similar thing when they had, like, the group therapy, AJ and, and Carmilla and Tony. It was cutting around a little bit, but it's very specific sort of style of, like, and another thing, and then everyone's sitting and just chilling out, like, run out of steam and then they're starting up again so they're doing that um before we get into that the what, what they arrive at who is it supplying the neutral ground i'm not sure i i um 
was with it all the way because the little guy's Carmine. Little Carmine's there helping out. He's neutral, but someone else is supplying the neutral place. I'm almost not sure uh, if he means the little guy is Butchy. Like I thought he was I like get word to the little guy. But yeah, I they he Tony says the guy's name, and then when he sh- when he's on the phone with the FBI, and then when well when the FBI is listening in, I should say, and then when he shows up, he does say hi to the guy. But then we never re- like I think he's sitting at the head of the table, but also little Carmine's there. For whatever reason, right. they don't have it be Little Carmine. I don't know why, because maybe that would be... It wouldn't make as much sense, because Little Carmine's too much with New York, or he's a part of that family. Even if he would still be more on Tony's side, he's still technically part... I mean, it is... His dad was the boss of that of that family, so I don't know. Maybe that's why that there's that little detail where it's not Tony reaching out to Little Carmine. It's a, like a different party that's not involved at all. Yeah, I kind of like that. I think maybe it's because Lil Carmine, like, he's a smarmy movie guy. He does porn, yeah. whatever. He might have some place, but he doesn't have the muscle behind him to guarantee a safe spot. Like, True. if someone tried to get past Lil Carmine or Lil Carmine's guys with a gun, they just would let him. So <laughs> so instead, it's someone who actually has this big freezing sort of uh, garage or whatever it is. Like, you can see because, their breath in the air. Yeah, because Tony even has, like, when, when the FBI is listening in, he says, like, you're retired. You're out of the game. Everyone knows this. Yeah. Like, so yeah. it is like just like a, 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 I assume a new person. I'm, I also assume that it's someone they've mentioned in passing, like, two or three <laughs> times in the past because yeah. uh, they're yeah. usually good with that. So, yeah. Um, but they have a bit of an argument about it anyway. Uh, they want help getting a location on Phil, which Butchie said, like, I can't do that, which seems like fair enough because when you're given a location on your boss so he can get killed, then you're part of it. But he says, like, you do what you got to do. And, hey, if Phil disappears, uh, we can promise we won't do anything. But, like, we can't help you, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's real honor, that is, you know. <laughs> what, what a fucking family feeling. They're not a glorified crew. They're a real family over there in New York. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's given the go-ahead. And then Tony does also bring up Janice. That's my brother-in-law, my sister's husband. So that's got to be made right. And, you know, all right, hey, we're not unreasonable. Family's important. Just come up with a number. Uh, it's so weird. I-, I love that everyone's on board with that because when he's like, you hit my brother-in-law, they're like, so? <laughs> and he's like, but it's my sister. She needs to get some money. They're like, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, of course, of course. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll come up with a number. We'll shake on that. <laughs> yeah, That's fine. <laughs> but nobody really cares about him being dead anymore. Great. <laughs> now, I do want to call out because this is something people uh, point out, and this is something that, I mean, we'll get into it later, but people's theories hinge on is that yeah. Polly comes in with barber scissors. I don't know if you've noticed that. In this next scene, Polly's like, anyone want barber scissors? And then Tone's like, yeah, give me some in the truck or whatever. Now, if you remember... I when- can already tell this is going <laughs> to be dumb, but go on. <laughs> when Butchie had his meeting uh, the previous episode or what- whatever, when they were setting the plan in motion of mm-hmm. like taking up the top, yeah. it was in yeah. a barber shop. Butchie runs a barber shop. Uh, and maybe this is, you know, they've gotten to Polly. Now, I, I will say this is not that dumb because there are definitely scenes in this episode that hang on Polly that could be read as where is Polly's head at and does has he betrayed Tony? I, I Would you deny that? No, I get what you're saying about that, uh, you know, when he doesn't want to take the capo job or whatever. Yeah. But, like, what does it matter? Like, what is he... <laughs> 
Like, is he taking the role of Butchie? Is that what you're saying? Like, hey, if Tony goes out, who who knows what might happen? Is well, that what he's doing? Or more like, so what, that Butchie, maybe Butchie has a side deal with Polly. Although it still would be such a, like, it would be such a convoluted, like, what would that, like, the, there are other ways you could get Tony, it feels like. like if to- Yeah, well, especially at the end. But it, yeah. if at this point, if Polly was turned to Butchie's side, then Butchie could get Tony's location and whack him, and then Phil would be happy. But then maybe Butchie doesn't want that. I I don't buy it, but I uh, but mostly because I don't see how it would matter at this point. Yeah. you know the connection. Uh, I mean, uh, like I, I do think I think there. I mean, the the barber scissors, whatever. It'd be funny if that was the thing. Is that. Butchie is now in with Polly, and Polly is announcing it to everyone because he's gotten free barber scissors from the dude that he's working behind their backs with. Uh, but I do, I do think like there are scenes where we hang on Polly, and it it feels like it's more than him just mulling over this idea of taking the gig, the skipper job of the Cifaretto crew. It's more like is something weighing on his mind uh, as far as betrayal, but. That's that's a debatable thing. Either way, we get the cat. The cat's still there. The cat from the safe house, which is another yeah. great, in my mind, another great fuck you to Polly from the grave because Chris is back as the cat <laughs> to torment Polly. <laughs> Chris is the cat, which you would think this would have more of an effect on Tony because Tony actually killed uh, Christopher. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, Polly's real. Like he doesn't like cats at the best of times, and this is obviously Chris the cat. Um, we can tell that right away. Um, yeah, so he, it's not here that he's staring at Polly, uh, sorry, uh, at Christopher. He's just upset that, that he's there. Uh, yeah, that he's there. And Tony's just casually like, oh, he's a good guy. Let him, leave him be. Um, and <laughs> where Polly says, I'm like, he'll, they'll suck the breath right out of you or whatever. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, that is a thing people think. I've heard that about how if you have a baby, don't have a cat because they'll like lay on a baby's chest and like, suffocate them i've heard this before i mean i assume it's not true but it's something i've heard in real life Mm, interesting uh yeah uh so if this poly theory holds he's apparently still up with uh, taking out phil anyway which would make sense if he's in butchie's pocket but he's driving around in the next scene just looking for payphones um same as everyone do they see someone they just see someone cleaning a car, right? Because at times I was like, are they breaking into that car? But it's just someone cleaning the car, I think. Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Just, like, cleaning the windshield. Mm. And then we have Uncle so, Uncle Pat with Junior. They're watching bird, bird watching at the new state facility, which is like a prison, basically. Um, he's not in that cushy place where he was, where he kind of seemed more of sound in mind. He's now, uh, since he doesn't have the $2,200 a day or whatever it was that age they were paying for AJ, uh, he's now at the state facility, and then Janice shows up, um, and we get to check in with Junior. Yes. Um, so uh, Uncle Pat's been in, like, four episodes, and I was still like, this guy, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy from Breaking Bad, and it's not even. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> with uh, 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 Tio. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure we had this conversation before when he was in it, but I was like, it's the guy in Breaking Bad, and he's like some crazy guy in here with Junior, but no, it's Uncle Pat, and he's been in it before. So uh, this maybe the not a not a benefit of watching the show so slowly that I uh, forget bits in between episodes. Uh, if I binged it, I probably would have connected it better. 
Yeah. I mean, he does look like him now that you mentioned. I'm sorry, it's Hector. Oh, it is Hector Tio. Okay. I wasn't sure if I messed yeah. that up. Uh, but, I mean, he does look like him, so I don't really blame you on that. Uh, now, like, I didn't think of it myself, but when you mentioned it, I could see how you could you could pick that up. Uh, but I love that. Yeah, he. Well, I I always forget his name too. I'm always like, wait, who's that again? I know he's the. I know he had the ranch, and I know that that's his big connection. Uh, yeah. But I always have to like second guess who his name is. Um, Was he one of the ones plotting to get Junior to escape as well? Yes. Or- yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. they were trying to. And help he had the him. ranch. That's the that's the bit that was missing in my brain. Of course, he had the ranch. I know Uncle Pat. Yeah. Um, so uh, Janice comes over and Junior's, you know, doesn't remember anything. Looks at a picture of her baby, thinks it's Janice. She's like, no, I'm Janice. Um, does she like ask about money or whatever here? Or does P- Uncle Pat just make that connection? Um, like, actually, yeah, you're right. I don't think she does specifically uh, ask about it. But I mean, yeah, Uncle Pat makes the connection because it's like why she's showing up all of a sudden. I mean, to be fair, it, she she comes to tell Junior about Bobby, which would yeah. make sense because I mean yeah. they were I mean obviously close and Bobby cared for Junior, uh, very much, and I mean Junior cared for Bobby, so it does that does make sense, but I also don't think Pat's wrong uh, with his yeah. read on the situation either. Yeah, I think you're right. That's the next scene where he's just saying that. I think this is basically just bring Junior to Tony's mind because we get that great scene later. Um, now, at least, he says that Junior can fucking rot when Pat's there talking about it. I don't even think Tony wouldn't even care if, like, Janice got the money or whatever because Janice would probably just take it and Tony would be happy as long as Uncle Junior doesn't benefit from it at this point. So, yeah, yeah, he's just kind of like, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to see because, oh, then when we have AJ in therapy. Yes, and I yes. I love this because it's so, like, we're done with therapy because Melfi's not in this episode. Very sad. Um, but we're, we're done with therapy, but we're not done with therapy because it's still in here. <laughs> and I love that this is a view into AJ's mind as well. Like, he talks about feeling a great relief when that car blew up. And my read, like I said, it's kind of like the car was a gift from his parents, which in part is, you know, just something created with mob money basically and like through people getting hurt through people doing things like melting the feet off other people like aj's been part of but it's just sort of on the fringes of so there's that and then there's also all of these expectations and things brought by his parents so it's kind of like i can't do my own thing because my parents have uh, there's all this stuff tied up with like what they expect of me or what they wish I was. Uh, I can't really be what I want to be because all of all of them, like they are on me in every single respect. And I think that's why this leads to going into the military because that's like, uh, say what you will, but I would, everything I would get within the military or whatever, I would get on my own merit. Like there's no, Tony can't make a phone call to make me the, the captain or whatever in the military. But then of course he backs off from that and just falls yeah. back into his old sort of patterns. But I, I just really like this insight into what's going on with AJ. I really liked your read on it. I have a different take, uh, but I really like everything you're saying. And I think it makes sense. My thing is again, going back into AJ is Tony and yeah. that he this is like how we've we've talked about many a times that when you see you see Tony happy when he's causing crime and <laughs> yeah. like do like you know ripping off the vipers going back to the pilot when he's chasing down the guy in the car and i feel like this is 
this is what young Tony, young Tony had the same thing when he got a few like little tastes of it. And yeah. it just has, has built into more causing like he needs to cause more misery to get that same happiness. And then AJ is the same way. And this would almost be the perfect way for him to get into the life. Uh, like, cause a lot of people always talk about how like, Oh, there's no way AJ AJ's not built for, you know, this thing of ours or that, ty- that, that part of the family. Uh, but I think this is, this could almost be the seeds of that, of how mm-hmm. he is an adrenaline junkie. Um, and of course it's an extension of, you know, pouring acid on that kid's foot and getting like a thrill out of that. Now getting a thrill out of seeing the car explode. And to him, he's not thinking about getting into a life of crime. The way to get that thrill would be through the army and yeah, explosions and stuff around you. And the fact that Tony and Carm can't let that happen does set Tony down more. I mean, does set AJ more down the path to be more like Tony in the end. Uh, where maybe he would be better off in the military, but that's I—that's I, just my read of it. I really like what you're saying on it as well. I think that makes a lot of sense too. I think mine is basically based on him using the word "cleansed" that he felt cleansed after it, like oh, for sure. which makes it sound like you know weights lifted off his shoulders. But he's definitely just excited about that happening uh, at all. You know, talking about my seat melted. I I was in there just a few seconds before. But in my head, maybe I'm taking a, uh, a, a an exaggerated positive slant, but I'm like, this is him getting that fucking, this is like Tony picking him up and throwing him around to make him realize he's alive. <laughs> yeah. This is like him, he's no longer interested in suicide because he felt alive for that. Like saying like, my seat melted. I'd been in there just seconds before. I was like, I'm really glad that he wasn't like, my seat melted. I wish I was in there. Yeah. It's more, again, he's seeing like the reality of something so violent and explosion and going like, fuck, I'm glad I wasn't in there, which makes him like laugh and smile and go like, I'm fucking alive. Fuck yeah. <laughs> which is something I love to see in AJ. Now that also... It, like in his brain coincides with I want to see more cars blow up. I want to go to <laughs> Afghanistan, yeah. which isn't great. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's how I read it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so we have Polly, and I love that it gets brought up later because I mean, obviously it's very deliberate because immediately watching the scene, I'm reminded of when Polly was in the Bing by himself and saw the mother Teresa because it's almost yes. like shot kind of the same way, especially like the camera pan when he walks by the mirror um, and the way it's just kind of, I don't know if it's just creepy on its own or it's just comes off creepy because clearly Polly's creeped out being there by himself. Uh, yeah. Either way. I love it. Yeah. It, no, it absolutely feels like it's connecting to that. And there was like this shot of just the empty dance floor. Pretty sure that's similar to the shot where, uh, she was floating or whatever. And like you said, with the mirror, we saw the feet there in the mirror or whatever. Uh, so definitely connection. And it's definitely a bit creepy. And yeah, they immediately, uh, he, he calls. Um, yeah, well, I mean, so he calls Tony. Let's get into it here then. So he calls Tony and says, we were supposed to go see Butch and them on a couple of items. Is that Butchy? Like, so yeah. they're. So he is in contact with Butchie. Maybe everyone knew he was getting the barber scissors. Maybe because everything's so fucking cool now that he was just getting some barber scissors. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, Carlo was a no show. Um, and then, I mean, and because Polly's even the one that says like, oh, maybe Butchie, uh, maybe they're, like, they're going back on their word or there was all a setup and they took out Carlo. 
Um, but then they they kind of well, Tony, what brings up maybe he flipped, and I mean, obviously this is news to this is news to me, the audience, because I don't like why why would he think that? But I guess they're mentioning something about his son being picked up, and I guess there's kind of seeds for that because we do know that that um, Patsy and Carlo's kids were involved in you know gambling and whatever they were involved in on the campuses so it ties into one of tony's guys potentially being a witness for the fbi yeah um yeah he got picked up yesterday like you said um and they do say later they're basically just confirming that that's what's happened so carlos flipped not great him being a capo and all um it's so, um, yeah, I guess we'll move on for now. So the next scene here is Carmilla coming into Meadow's room and we have Hunter in there who, again, a face we saw in the pilot when we rewatched it back again. It's like they're tying up. I, I wouldn't say they're tying up loose ends. It's more like at the end of the play when people come in and take their bows, she's yeah. kind of coming in to, re- to sort of reconnect a little bit. Um, and yeah, she was a real mess. She was always doing drugs. She was kicked out of college for partying and drunk driving and uh, now she's in her second year of becoming a doctor, which Carmela takes really badly because she's yeah. like, that could have been Meadow. <laughs> yeah. And you were a real mess and Meadow was great. And now yeah. she's bad and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I mean, David Chase, just another excuse to bring his daughter in for a scene. Uh, Is that David well. Did I forget? Did I know that was David I, Chase's daughter? I'm pretty daughter? sure we talked about it, but I mean, she hasn't really popped up in a while. But yeah, that is David Chase's daughter. I mean, she looks just like him. Uh, but uh, the it's great because, unfortunately, Carmilla doesn't have a lot to do in this episode, which is kind of a bum out. I mean, that's what I say. Yeah. Not that I, like I like I said, when I'm a little like, all right, this is a lot of AJ for the final episode. It's partially because of stuff like that. Like uh, maybe something more for Carmilla would have been nice. But it is <laughs> her, her reaction is great because she's being a bitch anyways. Because she says what like oh uh, since you oh last time I saw you oh what was that that was when you left college and then you know Hunter's like ah you were being polite like uh, I was you know what I got kicked out for drugs and drunk driving or something like that and then Carmelo's response is well that was always you <laughs> like it's not a, it's not something that you say to someone and then she's yeah. like oh yeah well no now I'm in med school and then I love that she's like all right well uh, they're, they're they're ready for you Meadow and she just leaves. <laughs> so annoyed and it's not even like meadow's doing badly like meadow's not a mess she's not doing anything badly but i guess it does confirm the suspicion like because they never outright really got into if carmela was upset that meadow wasn't going to be a doctor because what she Mm. remember she had that comment about how she never had the empathy for it or something like that and tony's like what and they never have a scene where she outright says to Tony, like, oh, my God, can you believe this? Uh, Dr. Meadow would have been so great or something. But this kind of yeah. does put the, the, the exclamation point on it. Absolutely. But it feels like it turns around in the very next scene. Like you said, Carmilla and, her, you know, what's going on with her is pretty compressed because the very next scene is Patsy and... Uh, his wife, who can't tell a joke, um, which is like, great. Oh, this is what we're marrying into. Cool. Yeah. Um, And then, but the son is there and he's making loads and loads of money. And it seems like that's like the main, I don't know. At the end of this, Carmela seems more happy with what's going on. And I guess it's because, you know, she's going to be a real lawyer now uh, rather than, you know, uh, (laughs) work for nothing kind of lawyer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, you're right, because it does specifically show that she's kind of, like, warming up to it, and she's, like, really impressed, and I think she's even happy 
with Patsy's son because they, you know, he has a couple quick moments where it, you know, he builds, he's like, oh, don't devalue yourself. And he's, he seems very supportive because the assumption was that, and there's probably still some truth to it, that Meadow was maybe just getting into something because of a guy. Although yeah. I guess she even explains it herself later on. So I guess it does put the kibosh on that idea. Like it was pitched to us. We were seeing it through Tony and Carmela's eyes because we didn't know about this secret bow that Meadow was going to see. And then she kind of dropped this information that she was going into law school. Um, and then we just kind of are with Tony and Carm and they think it's because of this boy and that she's messing up. But I guess between this scene and then Meadow's later scene, it kind of explains it a bit more. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess this guy, this uh, potential love interest for Meadows, just helped by not having a lot of screen time. Yeah. Because whenever one of Meadows' boyfriends is around, you get to see that, oh, she's attracted to pieces of shit. Um, (laughs) And he doesn't seem to be one here, uh, though he is kind of like really excited to take on this legal case. It's like fascinating stuff. There's whores. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) There's all sorts of stuff going on in this case, like bid rigging, this and that. But it's basically her becoming someone who would defend Tony, uh, right? I mean, that's Pretty her much. transition. That's yeah. what she says later as well. So, yeah. Uh, but and anyway, it, they're really excited about the starting salary of 170, which I don't even have context for. Is it 170,000 per month? Yeah. Per year? 170, 170,000 per year. I mean, that's, that's mm. a great, and that's a great starting salary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, even with the, the Atlantic between us, different currencies, I can tell that's a good <laughs> salary. And also just by the look on Tony's face, I guess yeah. they're really excited about it. So and then, great. And then of course there's uh, you know, the, the, the nod to just the awkwardness of um Patsy being basically an employee of Tony and yeah. just what that would entail if they if he's becoming part of the family essentially. About going to get the drink or whatever, yeah. like that's in there. And uh, the wife looking at the plates, like, ooh, fancy plates. It's kinda like Bobby, because you know, uh, when they were like, yeah, don't talk to my wife like that. And it's like, yeah, but you're like my, you're my bitch. She might be your bitch, but you're my bitch, Bobby. Um, but yeah, they're all playing nice. Um, then we have the cat staring at Christopher. And, and Polly comes in, um, is uh, about to, I guess, kill it with a broom uh, when Tony when Tony comes in. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's fun too because since since it doesn't spend too much time on tony and the cat really like you forget that this is just another animal that tony's connected to but since it's more about Polly and the cat uh you kind of forget it almost but yeah if 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 Polly hurt that cat tony would fucking geek out so Polly, you better be careful here i don't care if you think the cat is the ghost of christopher um but yeah, yeah, he's like, because uh, what Tony likes the cat because the cat caught a mouse in the basement of the safe house, yeah. and now he thinks he's a good guy and he's looking out for him. Uh, mm-hmm. And Polly hates him because he thinks, yeah, they're being haunted, uh, and he's staring at the picture. And then Walden's there, which I I know Walden's got to be fairly new. Walden Belfiore. Wait, didn't we know who's he related to then? Because isn't there um, wasn't there another Belfour? Um, um, he's been in episodes, uh, since like this season. Yeah. He's yeah. been in like a few of them. I, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, he's been in a, a, a several episodes this season. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Cause, uh, Angie bump and bump and Sarah, uh, pussy's, uh, wife, her maiden name was Belfour. So he's presumably related to her. Um, mm. 
and yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's basically from yeah this season. Uh, but he, but he's I mean, basically a guy who's on the come up because people keep dying. Yes. So now he's the guy. He's new Christopher, just hanging out, whist- lifting well, weights, you know. And that's something that comes up more as this episode goes. But like these plays, like everything's dark now. Like uh, all these shots are darker, and especially now. And I, I think they're what in back of Satrielli's here, and it's. Yeah empty because everyone's dead <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and uh or or has turned uh, uh turned on the family and it's just like blackness surrounding them so it is like you know the world is closing in on our uh lovable heroes yeah yeah and uh tony asks he probably wouldn't do this if he saw him with the broom like Polly hilariously starts like uh brushing the floor when when tony <laughs> comes in with the broom he was about to hit the cat with um but tony anyway he's got business on his mind talks about how he wants Polly to skip her that thing that carlo was doing which i'm pretty sure Polly wanted to do previously but as he points out later as well like people just keep dying in this job <laughs> yeah um but he describes it as it's a big ATM machine over there. It's like, I guess it's the reason Vito was this big earner or whatever. It's like, you can get infinite money from construction. I don't, I, I think it's construction, right? I mentioned this before. Yeah. Cause I mean, well, it was Ralph. I, I think it was even an uh, originally might've been juniors crew because yeah. it was the crew that Ralph wanted because yeah, who, it was the guy that died in the toilet, which they bring up. Uh, who got bumped up, and then Ralph had it, and then it's like, as far as they're concerned, Ralph disappeared, but, I mean, we know what happened with Ralph. Um, And then what, did Bobby have the career? No, Bobby didn't have it because Carlo was in on it, and then Carlo, of course, turned code, I guess. I forget, but, yeah, it's cursed. That's Paulie's takeaway from it. Yeah, and he wants time to think about it, which Tony's, like, not excited about because it's like, I'm trying to fucking lead this thing right now. Mm-hmm. And not only is everyone dead, the people, the few people who are by my side or I can rely on and thick and thin, they're kind of like, I don't know. I may want to retire. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck you. I, we just survived all this shit. Now you want to retire? Even though it makes perfect sense. It's a bit annoying for him. Yeah. Um, well, cause yeah, it, we just have this. And this is what yeah. I was talking about. One of these, this shot here when he walks out, I mean, I guess yeah. it could just be read on that. He's thinking about the cursed crew, but I don't know. It feels like there's more there. I mean, maybe I'm looking for more than than they're uh, putting down. Um, but you know, I could just I could see that read. Like if people have reads on like what's where's Polly's head at. I think there's some uh, questions there. But so, what do you think behind like what's the theory? Like what's he been promised? Why is he hesitating? That like, I don't know. He... That I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the specifics, obviously, but it does feel like. You could see maybe a betrayal from Polly. I mean, one thing I do want to bring up, because I, I, I obviously I could never bring it up before, is I do think that um, I had read in a, I think a David Chase interview that um, uh, Tony Sirico, the actor that plays Polly, because he like he has like real history of being arrested and like running with a crew and stuff like that. Of course, before he yeah. became an actor, because as we know, he's in like Goodfellas and some other stuff. But I think one of his um, one of his like, uh, like his demands to David Chase, like to be a part of the show, is he's like, well, I can never be a rat. Like if I play a character, I could never be a rat. And they were like, all right, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, I could never bring that up before because there was always going to be. I mean, I guess. Yeah. 
Maybe he means as far as rat to the feds because he's almost sure. he's definitely a rat fink uh, to to Johnny Sack uh, back in <laughs> yeah. the day. So very true. I think yeah, it, it's also fun for me because I can actually go into all these characters' different Wikipedia articles and whatever with that because before obviously I couldn't, and they'd say like last appearance in this episode oh. when he got shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess uh, Polly's killed on screen more people than any, anyone else. He's depicted killing nine people. It's more than anyone else on the show. Um, but uh, that's just an aside. Actually, um, real and uh, to stay on that aside, I know not to get yeah. off this episode too much, but going back to when Chris killed T, uh, was it TJ or JT? Yeah, when Chris killed JT, JT. and you were like, "I'm done with him." What about when Polly killed that old lady? Uh, like, were you done with Polly at that point, or were you still kind of re- with him? I don't even remember know what the fuck you're talking about. When did he kill a Polly? Remember, lady? he Min? broke into that old lady's uh, house to like steal money from her because he needed to like pad his envelope, and she caught him, and he ended up strangling her to death. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was uh, <laughs> season four, episode twelve. I just yeah. pulled it up here now. Uh, I was never in on Polly, to be honest. I was never on Polly's side, so I was. There was no need for me to say I was done with him, you know. Sure. Yeah, it makes um, sense. But yeah, he obviously is not a uh, moral kind of guy. <laughs> Suffocated that old woman with a pillow, didn't he? What a great guy. Now, yeah, no. So I don't hesitate that Polly would, you know, betray. Tony, I guess I do hesitate because, you know, he's so old school, but given the weird boat ride and everything when yeah. Tony was basically almost going to kill him, couldn't blame him for flipping, but I just don't see the specifics of why and how. Like, is I, him and Butchie, like, going, you and me, you're going to be New York, I'm going to be, like, the... Yeah. The, the, Jersey, like I do, maybe, I but do I just agree. I, I do agree with you overall, and and I do think mm. that like, if anything, if if they are attempting anything with some of these shots where they hang on him and have him like, uh, I don't know, seemingly in thought or showing that he's got something a weight on his shoulders, it's potentially like either a red herring or just uh, playing into what they think is the story with the cursed crew. Um, but I think it's interesting. I, I, I couldn't say if someone did have a good take on it, I couldn't fully take it down, obviously, because I think there's, yeah. there is stuff to be mined there if you want to read from it. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. So we have one guy trying to figure out which places have pay phones. Uh, who this? Who this guy? Um, oh, that's uh, Little Polly. Remember, Tony? Okay, he's, he's right. got the neck brace because Christopher threw him out that window. That's right. Okay. No, I was literally like, is this a fake neck brace? Like, what's going on? I'm sorry. I get things jumbled sometimes. Uh, But yeah, that's why he's got that. And he's pretending to be a police officer and asking about some guy using payphones, finds out where the payphones are, I assume. Um, He he says, anyway, there's just a few that have them. So probably finds out from that. So we're a bit closer to Polly. Sorry to Phil. Phil. Jesus. Yeah. This is the next scene da, 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 uh, where he drives up next to AJ, gets him to come in. AJ lays out this stuff about how he's going to join the army. I don't know if it's here he mentions how he's going to be Donald Trump's uh, pilot or whatever the fuck, or he, he wants to do helicopter. Like, my ultimate goal is this. It's just lovely to see this turnaround because I think we all have moments in our lives, probably, where we're like, I'm going to do this. Like, for me, it was probably moving to Ireland, where I was like, nah, I'm just going to move to Ireland now. Uh, and don't worry, I'm going to do this and that, and it's going to be grand. And most of these plans, 
that we form about our lives don't really pan out or we don't go through with them. But in this moment, at least, he's had this burst. Yeah, Some neuron has sparked in AJ's brain because of the explosion, because of this and that. And now he knows exactly what he's going to do. And he's got a plan and he's executing it. And nothing's going to distract him. Right, Jim? Absolutely. And I mean, it is here where he mentions Trump. There is something great about the fact that there are two mentions. There are two references to Trump in the final episodes of the final episode of The Sopranos. I mean, there's not I'm not like trying to do a think piece or make some political statement or whatever. But I just I, I just love that idea that, you know, because this is what 2000 this 13 years ago. Um, and, you know, I think t- when Tony brings it up, he calls him the Donald where he's like, oh, you the can Donald, do that before yeah. or after, you, you know, your uh, helicopter riding the, the Donald around. And, you know, now he's president and whether you're a supporter or whether you're against him. You know, Sopranos is about America and maybe the potential of how things are ending. So you can read from that. And I'm sure there are think pieces about it. But I just love the idea that it's there because it's, yeah. you know, just shows that uh, the Sopranos is it's like Bob Dylan, man. It's like it could be about today. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. And just like it's just technically uh, funny when he's like, he wants to be in the army and qualify for helicopter training and then maybe be Donald Trump or somebody's personal pilot. And it's like, yeah, you could be in the army and be Trump's pilot now, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how pilots work, but it's like he would I like, ah, it's just funny. Yeah. But luckily he didn't go down that path or maybe unluckily, depending on what you think of Trump, because uh, AJ definitely would have crashed that plane. So yeah. I guess it depends on your opinion. Um, and I mean, Tony they- goes... Well, oh, I was going to say, I mean, to stay with this for for a second, I yeah. mean, even though it comes back up, but it is an interesting twist off of, I mean, they bring it up later, but, you know, they were going to try to put him in a military school, which yeah. would have been more like this. They thought that this type of, uh, you know, discipline would be good for him. And now he's kind of getting down that path. But since things are a little bit too real, they don't want their son fighting in a war. So, yeah. Uh, just a nice what do you think of uh, Carmela's immediately I- immediate reaction there when like we cut to oh, him going, <laughs> he's going to join the army and Carmela's just in the bathtub? It's a great it's a great shot because you expect maybe she's going to have like react, but they don't even show a reaction. She's like blinks. <laughs> yes, I love it. Just a slow blink. I don't know if it's because she's exhausted or there's too much going on or whatever. Uh, but yeah, she's just like here we are again. And then later she's a bit more passionate about it, but it's definitely, you know, uh, up in the air. Um, but yeah, they go basically to his therapist to complain about why he <laughs> wants to do this now. <laughs> and, and again, going back to like the look of this episode, like even here, I mean, I guess it's because therapy's dead because think of the Melfi scenes. They were kind of like, they had like a, like almost like a brown, but it's like a brown hue, but it was like lively. This has got, yeah. like, this greenish, like, drab, like, gray. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, even just the, like, the back, like, it feels like a smaller office, more cramped. You know, you can see, like, a stupid fax machine and a printer behind Tony. Like, I don't know. It's there. Everything just is about everything. All the, sh- the scenes feel like blackness. It feels like uh, what that poem that AJ was trying to uh, decode uh, the back when his yeah. grandmother died yeah absolutely and so they're they're talking about him but they seem a bit uh split up in like yeah he spent 200 dollars on a cd set that teaches arabic which like they're 
like it seems stupid now but then later he's like i want to be a liaison officer and interact with the locals and like he's really seems to have thought this through yeah um so but I come don't know, on shish kebab what more do you need <laughs> yeah but obviously the thing in this scene is yeah. uh tony needs therapy or is just so in the habit of therapy or whatever it's so great because we've seen him do it with like hesh obviously like starts doing therapy there so whenever he doesn't have therapy he starts acting like everyone's his therapist he's in with aj's therapist and kermo's just looking at him like i know what you're fucking doing like get over it and he just starts telling telling about his mother wasn't very supportive had a borderline (laughs) personality so what i didn't have a happy childhood Uh, i could never please my mother it's just great and carmela's just like rolling her eyes basically (laughs) it it is great and then yeah carmela's reaction is perfect here um she doesn't need to have the big blow up about it she just kind of gives him that side eye and like a roll of the eyes because she knows exactly where this is going and she's sick of it at this point, which you kind of can't really blame her. And yeah, okay. Tony's just desperate to talk. And he goes from like giving this therapist shit about AJ joining the military to just being like, you know, uh, to be honest, it was always very hard for me to try to please my mother. And <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. Uh, yeah. So basically, like like you said, we don't spend that much time with um, Carmilla. We're more with like AJ and all uh, but it feels like the the kids like we kind of know we know Carmilla well enough that we know where she's going to end up so i think that's their thinking of not having a big thing cuz can you imagine if like basically like tony and carmilla have already had all their fights yeah. they've already broken up they've gotten back together we know where they're at we know if tony passes away we we can pretty much see what's going to happen with carmilla we know it um at least in our backbone even if we can't articulate it because we know them so well but aj and even meadow to an extent they're so fluctuating they're so in you know is he going to be an event planner is he going to be this or that it's so up in the air that giving them a bit of extra time uh sort of helps to cement this is the path that they're on now this is the last we're going to see of them and you can imagine based on that what's going to happen next because if the last we saw of aj was I don't know, him just getting out of this uh, place where he almost killed himself and, and he got out and he was depressed. It's like, well, we don't really know where he's going. So all of this, I guess, is to set that up and also for Meadow because that's the next scene we head into. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great take on it because, yeah, what else would it would be? It would be Carm talking about her new spec house. And, I mean, they do have the quick shot where she's looking at, like, the kitchen island. Like, she would just be going on and on to Tony about, like, ah, Tone, the kitchen island. Uh, wouldn't it look great here so yeah you're right you're right uh that that makes complete uh, (laughs) sense which is like um it's sad but it's also like it totally reinforces this idea behind the sopranos that people don't really change like tony's tried this and that but you always fall back into your habits no matter how hard you try and carmilla like maybe she'd have been better off if she decided to step away from tony in that life and do her own thing but she's just so embedded in it and that's what we see here. She's just she just keeps going through these motions. Um, but yeah, the next scene is uh, Tony and Meadow talking talking things over, and we get into how he's basically the reason uh, that she's gonna do what she's gonna do. Yeah, I love that Tony's initial read is well, because what's the line he says? We're like, yeah, you said you wanted to get in the law to defend black people. 
<laughs> she's like, really? Is that what I said? I don't think that's what I said. And she's talking about how, you know, the state can crush people. And, and he's like, the state of New Jersey? And she's like, no, I mean, like the country and like the system. And uh, it's it, it's like noble and and true. But then the fact that she rolls that in with Tony being, you know, arrested, like, that's the more of the disconnect or the blind spot, I guess. But it's obviously yeah. I feel like Tony's very touched by it and it does ring true. Um, and it is kind of a nice moment to explain a bit more and where her head's at. And you're right. Give us a more of a guideline of where uh, she will go in the future. Do you think is this um, is probably not, but I just had a thought that maybe this is like the fancy Japanese restaurants that he kept bringing Carmilla to early on there. Um, because they were drinking out of these wooden uh, wooden sort of square things that you pour sake into. Um, and it's got like kind of an Asian teapot or whatever. I don't know. So that was just a thought. I don't know where they are, but they're having, they're definitely having some fancy, a fancy yeah. little tea time there. No, yeah, I, th- I think you could be onto something there. And that is like, we, we do know that Tony, that was like his, uh, he thought of that as in like high regard. And that was his like nice, like splurge uh, or gorge himself, <laughs> however you yeah. want to read it, uh, celebratory place. So, yeah, I think that could be, I think that could be it. Yeah. And she talks about the way Italians are treated, like, you know, remember the pilot, uh, learning about how Tony's great grandfather or whoever built this with their hands and all that. Like, it's just, eh. It just reconnects to a lot of things. Yeah. If I hadn't seen you dragged away by the FBI, I'd probably be a boring suburban doctor. Now, the weird thing is you said, like, he seems a bit proud or whatever. I kind of saw it as him. I don't know. Maybe he, he'll definitely come to terms with it, I suppose. But in that scene, I saw it as I wanted you to be a boring suburban doctor. I wanted you to be something outside of this. And now you're going to be someone defending people like me. And it's because you've seen me dragged away by the FBI loads of times. So I kind of sense disappointment in his eyes there when it's like, ah, this is my fault. Just like AJ's depression and everything is my, you know, cursed soprano genes. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Yeah. On at the, cause you know what? I think in the initial, when she's first talking about it, I think I do see more of like pride, but looking at it now and especially looking at the end where it ends on Tony and David Chase has talked a lot about Gandolfini, how he has like sad eyes and he's really laying on the sad eyes here. So yeah, yeah, no, I think you're, you're absolutely correct. Yep. Um, so the next scene, uh, is the one where Phil gets killed by, I guess, Walden. Yes. That guy. Walden. Walden uh, Belfiore comes through. This is fucking so great. I love that um, David Chase is like, you know, hey, let's let's give you one for the books. (laughs) Let's (laughs) let's give you one for the books here, because you know, wanted blood. Yeah, you want to see blood? Here's here's an old grandpa dying in front of his uh, grandchildren and getting run over his head by the car, and a bunch of black kids going, "Oh, and throwing up." Fuck you guys! This is what you want. It makes no sense that his grandkids are there with him. Like if he's make if he's going to his uh, if he's in hiding, and he's going to make his call. Like I mean, I guess I understand he feels like he's safe, but it yeah i don't know it's just so funny that he would bring his grandkids with him and he's just constantly going bye 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 and (laughs) (laughs) then yeah he gets a bullet to the head and then to add insult to injury 
His wife is so confused. She left the car in drive. The kids are locked in the back. Her husband just got shot. And then the fucking tire runs over his head, <laughs> which I mean, I don't think that would really happen with a car just in uh, drive like that. But the cracking noise and then the kids reacting and someone throwing up, it really is like it's comedic level. And I think yeah. Sopranos, obviously, we've talked about it so many times, the comedy on the show, and has a very dark sense of humor. I mean, I, I think obviously it's deliberate. They're going for a goof here. And yeah. it's fucking it, 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 it's great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I it, it is very good. And, and I mean, talk about this Walden kid who we were like making fun of me and this kid who's just hanging out. Like, Christopher tried to get clout by killing some random guy he probably shouldn't have killed. This guy just killed, like, the head of uh, <laughs> New York. Like, that's a damn thing for your resume. I mean, this guy, man, watch out for him. Yeah, so let's get the old counter out. Let's uh, put poor uh, Phil up on the list. Let's do it. Gatsada Malenga! Gatsada Malenga to you, Phil Leotardo. Yes, that's uh, 82, 82 ins- deaths. And insults to injury, I'm sure he doesn't, he won't even be able to have an open casket because a car ran over his head <laughs> after. Yeah, and maybe they'll just skip that bit and go straight to the eating part <laughs> we usually do these days. Um, Agent Harris finds out that this happened and says the line we mentioned earlier is, yeah, we might actually win this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, so great. Like it's a sports team. Yeah, and the guy, uh, you know, Colson is just like, um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, Phil, goodbye, Phil. Thank you for sticking around. As always, I'm like, right, so um, this is happening. Like, like the fucking settlement with Butchie is like 20 minutes into the episode, and I'm like, okay, so everything's kind of cool now already, so we're setting up an anticlimax. What are we going for? What's left? What are we going to see? I don't know. Um but first, we got to wrap things up with AJ, which is he's coming down and he's he's got all these plans, maybe joining the CIA and his military background is going to help and he's going to be a liaison and think about to speak Arabic and you wanted me to go to military school, all this stuff. And they're like, oh, well, we have a screenplay, so maybe do that instead. Now, tell me that this script doesn't sound like something we would come up with on our show Blank Meets Blank. Uh, it's very true. Because <laughs> I love the script. It's called Antivirus. It's about a detective that gets sucked in through his data port into the internet, and he has to, to he, he has to uh, solve what like the death of like cyber prostitutes or something like that, and what yeah. like Billy Baldwin or Danny Baldwin gave him the script at the Cleaver premiere, uh, and then he, Carmela's even like I read it, I think it's good or, or it's scary or something <laughs> like that, and it's such a perfect. I mean, Sopranos obviously delights in taking digs at Hollywood and, you know, entertainment, especially screenwriting. We've seen it through the whole run. They get to fit in one last one here with the script Antivirus. (laughs) Sounds so bad. (laughs) It sounds even worse than Cleaver. It does. No, and I mean, we've we've uh, tried to promo it enough times, dear listener, you probably know. But yeah, Blank Meets Blank is this podcast Jim and I do where we draw random things from a hat. And then based on that, we make up a whole television show. Uh, and usually we do it as absurdly as possible. I personally find that whenever you have an absurd idea, you're less precious about it. You're not careful. And that allows you to make the big slashing decisions. You can easily kill your darlings in a project that's like, 
like the silliest concept you can think of but because it's such an over-the-top thing you kind of i don't know you can anchor yourself on that and then make a story that's actually fun and by the end of each episode of blank meets blank i'm like this could work this one i think <laughs> this, this one is one. actually the one jim get la on the fucking phone um but basically, yeah, they just love this script. And, well, they don't. I, I don't know. They're just like, this will do. And, like, Danny Baldwin gave it to Tony for financing. Tony's just going to finance it so that AJ doesn't join the military. <laughs> yeah. It's so silly. And then AJ, I love AJ brings up, like, uh, I forget, cadet school or something. And then Carmilla even asked to be like, your grades are terrible. Like, <laughs> like you may have to remind him. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's uh, it ends up being a perfect distraction. And they want to have him work as like a PA or what do they, they call him like a development uh, development executive. Uh, Sounds and, very good. And then maybe that's going to be an in for a club. Uh, and one quick little detail that I also love is because AJ's girlfriend, the high school girl, is named Rhiannon. And mm -hmm. uh, Tony calls her Rahuni. <laughs> Rihanna. He says it wrong. He says like Rahuni, I believe. He's like, why don't you run that yes. by Rahuni? And I'm like, oh, that's great. That's great that Tony doesn't know, doesn't know her name. Well, it's also, I mean, it is so true as well because like you have this girl you like and you want to go join the military. And before you were like, oh, I kind of got to figure that out. And Tony's so right. Like, ask your high school girlfriend if she thinks it would be cool if you were a movie executive instead of off in Afghanistan because she's probably going to say that that's cooler. <laughs> yeah. Um, with Tony and his lawyer and the ketchup bottle uh, that won't come out. And Tony's getting the news about. There's uh, someone's going to be uh, giving grand testimony, and we can assume that that is Carlo. Tony steals the ketchup and starts smashing it, but even he can't make the ketchup come out. I'm sure there's a metaphor or symbolism there. Why can't we get this ketchup out? Uh, if, we're, if we were a different Sopranos <laughs> podcast, I'm pretty sure we could talk about that for an additional 10 minutes, <laughs> yeah. but uh, maybe we'll just leave it to the other experts. Yes. Yes. Uh, but yeah, basically, Tony's upset because, yeah, things are coming to a head. And, you know, even the lawyer's like, hey, we knew this was going to happen, uh, but yeah. it, it, things don't look great. Um, then we have Silvio. Silvio laid up in the hospital. Always a bum out to see. Silvio's great. Um, doesn't look good for him. He's got, even got what, like a, like a trach, like a neck tube. Uh, his wife, yep. Gabby's there um, doing his toenails. They watch Little Miss Sunshines on the TV for some reason. I'm sure there's some uh, uh, some symbolism there. Like maybe the sun will come out one day. <laughs> well, the, I mean, my read was very surface. Well, A, I was just like, oh, this is a great film. I should watch this. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's her at the start of Little Miss Sunshine, this little girl going, I won, I won, I won, I won. And Tony has won. Like he won the mob war. So, but it's a hollow victory. So you have this on a... You know, you're in a desaturated hotel. Uh, sorry, hotel. You're in a hospital room, desaturated, and you're all sad. All your friends are dead. Phil won't even take. Uh, Polly won't even. Jesus Christ, yeah. Polly won't even take your job offer, and you're seeing this on the screen like, I won, I won, I won, and you're, it's just a hollow victory. I think. I think that's what it is. I think nailed it. Um, yeah. And yeah, and and Silvio uh, is usually the guy he would go to in some of these. I mean. Outside of maybe therapy, but he wouldn't go to therapy for specifics on mob advice. But Silvio would be one of those advisors that he'd go to. And I guess, or even Hesh to a point, but we already know that there's nothing there with Hesh anymore. Um, yeah. And there's no Silvio right now to talk to. Because, yeah, there's, they don't even play up a scene of, like, 
having Tony talk to his, you know, body in the hotel, uh, hospital bed, like you usually will see yeah. in TV shows. It's just kind of he sits there for a little bit, and then we cut to Satriellis, and again, empty. Uh, usually there's a, you know, this, this, the gang's all there, but now it's just Tony and Polly, and it's black and <laughs> dead inside and hollowed <laughs> out, and that's where yeah. we're at. And I know we probably haven't, or maybe we have talked about this, but Satrelli's, what a great location. I mean, it's absurd enough. You can only see it in the wide shots and I guess the intro, but like the pig that's just over this square brick house, there's just a, a, a pig up there as the sign. Uh, it's just great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, Paulie's there, uh, sunbathing with his reflector screens and everything. It's just Paulie and Tony. They're the only ones left at the table. They're the they're the they're the only ones left, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, basically Tony has to like he says no, and he goes through the whole curse. And they have a lot of deep chats here. Um, basically, we're so close to the end of the episode and the end of the Sopranos that every scene with a major character is like them wrapping up that wrapping up that character. Yeah. So I f- feel like. That's what we got. Was that's why we saw Silvio. I mean, he's a big enough character. You got to see where he's at. And personally, I'm pretty sure he doesn't die. And I'm pretty sure he goes to Norway and uh, starts running a, a bar. Uh, you can find out all about that in our coverage of Lilyhammer coming to this feed. I fucking insist, Jim. We're going to talk about Lilyhammer. I've never seen it, so there could be an opportunity. Well, you're yeah, we're going to do the opposite of what we did here. Every episode of Lily Hammer, Jim. <laughs> you're not going to know what's going to happen, but I'm going to know what's going to happen, eh? Um, but no, yeah, if you don't know, Lily Hammer is the same actor that played Silvio. And now I can actually say, like, because at the start of Lily Hammer, he's in witness protection. And I always kind of thought maybe that was from The Sopranos, that that's what he actually does. He becomes a rat at the end because that's <laughs> what's in Lily Hammer. And they're basically playing off like he is the same character in that show. Um, so I thought maybe there was some connection there, but there wasn't. Um, so anyway, that's coming up soon to this feed as well. Stay subscribed. Yeah. I promise it's not, it's going to be good. It's not going to be shit. Stay subscribed. <laughs> Tell a friend. Um, and yeah, yeah. So like you said, they're talking about, they're still getting into the cat. Uh, Polly's talking about the, the, the cruise cursed. Um, and Polly also does talk about uh, the, well, I guess before Polly talks about the Virgin Mary, or I forget if it's before or after, because then Tony talks about how ever since Chris died, um, his winnings have been up. And I mean, that's a yep. that's a good call back to what you were just talking about with the I win, I win, I win from Little yep. Miss Sunshine. And it's like Tony does think like his luck's changed. But this is to Tony. This is his luck's changed. I mean, I guess technically he's still OK, but uh, a lot of other people have been suffering around him. Yeah, I mean, we literally saw his luck change, and he brings that up uh, to Polly. But Polly's like, "What you get to believe in that? But I don't get to believe that the cat's cursed or whatever, uh, or the jinx about the the capos." And yeah, I mean, Tony, it's great that Tony manages it just by kind of threatening to give it to Patsy. But it's also like, well, what do you expect, Polly? Who the fuck else is going to get it, Walden? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh and then yeah because when he tell then when he tells tony about the virgin mary uh and then tony's like oh why didn't you tell me you know fuck yeah, strippers we could have had a shrine <laughs> we could have made a fortune and yeah it's he's you know making jokes i give you a piece of my heart you make jokes but then he brings up patsy and he's like ah you always know what to you always know how to say uh, get me uh going or whatever 
And yep. so he's going to take the, take the gig. Uh, Tony walks away. The cat walks up. Uh, we have uh, Pauly doing his old uh, sun tanning when he's doing outside of Satriellis. And, you know, that's where we leave uh, Pauly, Pauly Walnuts. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, obviously, they say it very outright. To Pauly, at least, the cat represents, you know, death or, or Christopher who died or, or whatever. Like, uh, he's going to suck the breath right out of him. But, like, Pauly did, Pauly was going to retire there, right? I mean, that was his option, just, you know worry about his own health and that probably would have been the wise move instead he's still sitting there not going anywhere and the cat's still there he's sitting there with the specter of death in cat format i i mean the sopranos and animals it's never uh it's never too subtle yeah <laughs> but uh, it always works it always works yeah like the bear the ducks you know you name it the horse then we have AJ's working at Lone Wolf's Productions. <laughs> Great logo. It's a babe in a bikini riding a wolf. It's fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just the idea of Lone Wolves, you know, it's just a yeah. funny little thing. And then, yeah, he's like, okay, yeah, I told him no SUVs, but, you know, he's got a BMW now. He goes, he s- swings up in his Beamer to go pick up uh, his girlfriend from high school. Uh, and I guess what? I mean, Christopher was riding a Beamer in the pilot, right? So there you go. There's a Beamer Beamer yeah. callback. I mean, I guess he, um, I don't know. Do you see him as like, you know, because they talk about maybe you'll get to run a club or whatever. Do you think he's going to get more integrated into the mob and that? Or is it just him being like a... A weird piece of shit movie guy. <laughs> I see him. Yeah, I see him getting a club. I, I do. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be made guy, connected guy, but I think he's going to be his AJ version of that. Where yeah, maybe he's running a club. They got to. They'll be running drugs out the back or whatever side dealings in this. Very similar. Like Adriana had a club. I think it's going to be yeah. a lot of like a lot of stuff like that. And maybe maybe he does get a little bit more involved here and there. That's kind of where I see it. Yeah. Well, that would make sense, Jim, except for the fact that Tony Soprano fucking <laughs> dies at the end of this. Let's Hold get on. into it. Not Fuck. yet. Not nope. yet. Okay. Almost. Oh. All Almost. right. Fine. You're not going to change my mind, though. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Uh, so What's then before that? Well, before that, after he picks up his girlfriend from high school, uh, AJ is chipper. He's laughing now. They're watching like a Bush montage or something on TV, like him being an idiot. Yeah. You know, the more yeah. things change, the more they stay the same. People are still watching American president montages of them being dumb. Uh, yep. And, you know, Carm casually drops that they're going to go to Holston's for dinner. Maybe Carm set it up. Maybe she was in on it. <laughs> She's looking at her spec house. <laughs> Maybe someone gave her some money for yeah. her spec house. Did anyone think about this? Uh, but yeah, Carm looks at uh, yeah her spec house. I love this shot though of Tony outside. Um, just a it's a it's not long, but it's you know it's not quick either. It's kind of just these these. I mean before before and after Carmilla walks up, but it's like Tony reflecting, and I don't think it's i think it's deliberate where we see the trees again and yeah. that panning shot except now the trees are all bare and i mean we've gone back to that a couple times and especially going back to the dream um when he's going to go into the house uh, and you know that he heard meadow's voice or what have you but either way for some reason like this was i brought this up a few times uh with different shots on the show but this is always one of the shots that pops in my head when I just think of the Sopranos. And I honestly didn't yeah. know it was in the final episode 
I just thought it was, you know, just a random shot in one of the scenes. But it's one of the one of those shots I think of when I think of Tony Soprano. So I don't know. It 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 really stayed with me, and I I love it here because it's just this like quiet moment of him, uh, kind of out the back. But then before that, of course, we do have one last scene with Junior, which is which is heartbreaking, which is great. Um, yeah, um, just on the trees and that, I always focus on like the pool, but the pool's been drained. Like we're done with the pool. Um, but yeah, it's it's like an obvious callback to him being almost dead, looking up at the trees uh, uh, before going into the house. And like you said, now the trees are bare. He's raking them all up. He's wrapping it all up even. Yeah. And uh, like like I said, it's like at the end of a TV show, you always you you kind of. It's not always the case, but you often get to see characters come in and have their last scene in order of their importance. Um, so, like, you know, the way we clocked out of these characters, we had, um, well, let's see, obviously the the, the big ones. He, he had to go see Silvio because we had to say goodbye to Silvio. It just wouldn't make any sense. Melfi had one, but it was last episode because we needed to wrap that up early. Yep. Uh, and then we have the big one with Polly, kind of implying, to my mind, that Polly is more important to the story than Silvio, which is a bit sad, kind of, and also very true, I think, because Paulie has more personality and more character than than Silvio ever had. Um, yeah, Paul and Paulie's had. We've had more subplots and and yeah. times where we followed him more than Silvio. Silvio's obviously a great character, fun to have, but uh, he only had a couple times where we were where we were with him, uh, like when he had yeah. the stress out from being the boss for like a day. <laughs> Yes. And yeah, exactly. And, and, and Polly, there's just like in that scene, there's callbacks to loads of other stuff, like his whole personality, his mysticism and Tony's mysticism and how it all like, you know, um, how, how it all wraps up for him. And we see that he doesn't change either. And then we, we kind of have this scene with AJ to show what, what, where he's going to end up. And he, like you said, he's back on the couch, the more things change and, yeah. So obviously we got to have a scene with junior yes. as an amazing scene. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Cause Tony is still like, I mean, he doesn't get it, I guess, which I guess makes sense. He hasn't really seen, I guess he hasn't seen junior since the shooting. Right. I'm trying to think there. Yeah. Cause yeah. Okay. And you know, he's still trying to play this thing of like, he's, he is telling himself he's there to, um, you know, this make sure the money goes to Bobby's kids, and that's kind of like his prime directive. But I, I do think there's probably more to that. I do think he did want to see Junior, and you know, things become clear to him that, you know, you don't even know who I am, and well, even before that, I love when he first comes in and he's like, uh, what does he say? I'm, I'm Johnny's kid or something like that, and then, then, then Junior goes, "Fuck you on a boutonniere." <laughs> <laughs> no, it's when he says, like, don't you remember you shot me? Oh, that's what <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim, what is a boutonniere? I had to look it up, too. I believe it's just kind of like a, um, uh, it's like a, almost like a corsage. Yeah, right. or, or <laughs> not a corsage, but it's like, yeah, it's like a flower I think you put in your, uh, like, your on your suit, like on your lapel. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's basically in this scene we get to see where juniors come to and tony gets to see where juniors come to and like he's just saying random things about how he never had kids and tony keeps saying like you know i'll i'll take care of the money make sure it ends up with bobby's kids which 
I guess I believe, but it's not important. Like you said, he's not really there for that. Like Junior yeah. doesn't even remember Bobby. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't recognize Tony. And he, he acts like that from the start. But Tony, I guess, thinks that he's pretending or whatever. But he comes to realize that's not the case and asks about, do you remember Johnny Boy, your kid brother? And just Junior, the expression on his face, like it's just a lot. And when Tony says, like, this thing of ours, like, does this ring a bell? Well, like, I like just that. Just trying to find a, something. Yeah, he starts with, like, the family and his and, and his his dad or, you know, Junior's little brother. And then he's like, okay, well, he could forget that, but he's not going to forget this. And it's weird that it, then it goes to the mafia. And it ties in a little bit with what reading with David Chase talking about the Sopranos. And I don't know if I fully believe him. I, I think it's kind of like the artist thing you say because you don't want to make it seem like you're in love with your own stuff. But in the Sopranos sessions, in one of the interviews, David Chase talks about how like, well, the Sopranos is just going to be forgotten, just like everything else. Everything gets forgotten. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I guess on a long enough timeline, there's truth to that. But I mean, the Sopranos... <laughs> It's a pretty fucking big deal, dude. And I get you can't be the guy that is like, hey, I made this thing and it's a big deal. But obviously there's there's elements of that here because, you know, Tony is in a in a way almost pleading with Junior to remember some stuff. But he realizes it just all goes away. It, it all yeah. fades away, even not even just when you're dead. You could be you could be, you know, like Junior, whether it's dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever it is that he has. And this thing that these things that were so important, this life you had, these moments in your life, they get forgotten and they get washed away. And yeah. I mean, that's sad and it's depressing. And it's even sadder when you have to watch a loved one uh, like go through that. Uh, and and again, I mean, they're both killing it in the scene, obviously. And then just the way Gandolfini wells up. Uh, yeah. at the end it's 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 great it's perfect and some people argue there are a lot of people that really hate the ending like the um the holston scene and some people say this should be the ending which i guess mm. it wouldn't be if it did end here i guess it wouldn't be terrible honestly uh but some people are like i just turn it off after that scene but i i mean i do think it's a great scene yeah it's a great scene and like you said yeah junior's forgotten about that as well he's just like well that's nice when he's told Ugh. he ran jersey yeah um i i, I welled up as well but, yes um, for sure i think we need to talk about the last scene here uh which um i i guess i get it i guess uh, you know i get why people are annoyed uh or were annoyed i i looking watching the whole show from start to finish knowing that it would end with a cut to black uh i i really like it i like it a lot jim <laughs> yeah no it's great right i mean at the time i mean if i'm being honest at the time Obviously, I didn't get it. I, I was just, uh, and I was definitely one of those people, and I, I know those people are still out there. I was one of those people that wanted to be like, no, he's not dead. Because there's yeah. just this thought, and, and, well, and I do want to preface all this by saying is that the genius of it is that you can take away whatever you want from it. Yeah. So if to you, Tony's not dead, I mean, I can't argue with you, even though I could, and I could say that you're completely wrong, but it's still left enough there where you can have that. That's fine. You can put whatever you want on it. But I think it's very clear what I think when you think of it, especially the way we've been doing it and 
the way David Chase works with anticlimax and the stuff he's done through the whole show, I think all point all signs do point to him dying. But I was definitely one yeah. of those people. Are, well, for whatever reason, I didn't want Tony Soprano to be dead, and so I was like, yeah. no, the scene. What it means is it's just you're in Tony's head, and you get to see how he lives where he's on because the scene obviously is very tense, and you get to see how things are. And with Tony, life and death could happen at any moment, whether it be the yeah. feds or death. And there's a lot of people that subscribe to that theory, and I was definitely one of those people, but I'm, I'm not that person now. I think it's very clear that he's dead. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. But, I mean, there's, like, so many Chase comments on the ending, even though he's the kind of person who's, like... Like, all of his comments are him saying in different ways, I'm not going to comment on that. Um, but one of the things he said just about what that whole, you know, mindset of maybe he's alive was... This is, wasn't really about leaving the door open. There was nothing definite about what happened, but there was a clean trend on view. Uh, uh, yeah, there was a clean trend. Anyway, a definite sense of what Tony and Carmilla's futures look like. Whether it happened that night or some other night doesn't matter. So that's, you know, David yeah. Chase commenting on that, which makes sense. Like, if you really want to, you can view this scene and go, no, nah, Tony didn't die just then, but... At some point, he's going to die exactly like that. Now, I don't see what you gain from that, really, as a viewing experience. Just, I mean, you can get to write some Soprano fan fiction, I guess, or whatever. You, like, if you want to create something based on it, sure. Uh, or imagine something, even, just in your head. Great. To me, he got shot in the head, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and even just, like, backing up a bit, like, the way it's constructed is really amazing. Um I, I mean, obviously, when I first watched it, it just cut to black. Like, the joke was, at the time, everyone thought their cable went out because this was a time where still majority of people were watching things on cable. Um, and obviously, I mean, it's very deliberate because it, it doesn't just cut... Like, it cuts to black, but it hangs there for, like, five, ten seconds, whatever it is. Um, yeah. But going back to the beginning, like, the way it cuts from his point of view to then Tony in his point of view... It's like weirdly yeah. off-putting and th kind of throws you off kilter a little bit, like just to start the scene, because it's it, the way it's cut. It almost looks like he's looking at himself for a moment, and it then I, I mean, people have I, broken this down. I mean, obviously, people have broken this down so many times because people get into like, you got the football player on the wall. He was never had the makings of a varsity athlete. <laughs> you got the tiger. Yeah. Like people have gone into all of this shit, which is fine. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's just it's just really well done. It is kind of like, especially more in hindsight. And I think in hindsight, uh, even people that were pretty annoyed at at first have really come around to it. And it's kind of proven to be a really ballsy, smart choice because people still kind of talk about it more. It's more memorable than if you did just have. Uh, like a gunshot cut to black or uh, uh, his brain spilled all over the table. Uh, but it's it's so interesting watching it now and like how we've been doing it, discussing it every week. It's so clear that that never was going to be how it ended. Like, yeah. like viewing it the way we've had, you know, watching it week to week and then having breaks of years in between seasons, you forget the way, oh no, this is how Sopranos operates. Sopranos is about weird buildups, not giving you what you want, not giving you what you expect and throwing you like uh, th throwing you the bone you didn't know you wanted, I guess. Yeah. And uh, on that, I'll, I'll toss in some quotes as we get into it. But uh, on the sort of uh, 
the the comment that people have said that it felt like a fuck you to the audience david chase uh doesn't uh think that's uh uh you know correct he says we don't have contempt for the audience in fact i think the sopranos is the only show that actually gave the audience credit for having some intelligence and attention span <laughs> we always operated as though people don't need to be spoon-fed every single thing that their instincts and feelings and humanity will tell them what's going on um and i think yeah the scene obviously big example of that i mean I, I don't think if you're viewing it, the whole series, like, uh, and discussing it and thinking about each scene, it's, uh, it's, it, it would be pretty difficult to explain away the ending here as something else. The whole show has been about death, um, and, like, especially emphasizing it at the end of last episode, like, Bobby's comment on, like, you don't even see it coming, you know, what's gonna happen, is there anything there, is there not, um, just with the way it's put together, and, I mean, obviously... There's also the suspicious guy who goes into the bathroom, uh, Godfather style. I mean, that's an obvious one. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's what, in my mind, that's what happened. Like, you yeah. can read it other ways, but that, that's what happened. Well, yeah, and people have all, this has been pointed out many times, but he's wearing a members-only jacket. There was yeah. an episode called Members Only when it was, um, shoot, uh, Eugene, uh, the guy that ends up killing himself. Um, yeah, he was wearing a members only jacket and Vito was like making fun of it or making fun of him for it or something. And then he does walk into a diner of some sort and kill somebody in Boston. Remember there's that scene, he walks in, it's shot from outside. He like shoots the guy in the head. Not that that's like a direct saying that this is it, but I mean, it is a weird little connection. Um, and yeah, especially there's that camera move when, well, first the guy walks in ahead of AJ, like it's like yeah. weirdly blocked. Because when AJ comes in, because Tony looks up every time like the door opens and that guy walks in ahead of AJ and he's kind of peeking at Tony and uh, there's that camera slide. Uh, obviously, it, just, it adds tension either way, but like it slides across where the family's eating and then you see him like as he's walking into the bathroom. Um, yeah. But yeah, in my that's the main theory on the death as well is that, you know, that's the guy. That comes out. There's also people have theories around the the meadow thing and how meadow is kind of the the guardian angel, if you will. Uh, I think because in that Seven Souls uh, intro that time when they're talking about the souls, the guardian angel I believe is when Meadow's on screen. She's also the right. one that brings him back when he's in his coma. Uh, she also saves him indirectly in the college episode. Remember that guy that they, when they go on the trip in season one and Tony ends up killing that rat, but that rat almost has the jump on Tony, but Meadow's there. And so there's the theory that if Meadow could just get in the fucking restaurant and be sitting there, maybe the guy wouldn't have made the move or something. But to David Chase's point, it doesn't matter if it happens here. Uh, There was going to be this outcome for Tony Soprano. So even if you don't think he died here, I, I do agree with what David Chase is saying is that, this could be it, or it could be a night like this where it happens. The one thing I do disagree with David Chase on is that he does have contempt, contempt for the audience a bit. <laughs> Just a bit, yeah. No, yeah, a little bit. Um, there's also, like, we got to mention the song choice, Journey, Don't Stop Believing, what a classic. Yeah. Uh, apparently, again, just... Uh, 
reading up on the old Wikipedia. Anyone can find this information at your leisure. Uh, but apparently, Journey didn't give uh, clearance for it to go in the episode until like right before because they didn't want the episode to be, or they, they didn't want their song associated with Tony getting shot in the head or whatever. Uh, so it was only like when given like assurance that that's wouldn't happen that they were okay with having that song used and it's i mean it's it's a long scene there's obviously like shots of other people as well and i think it's in a way it's to camouflage showing this one guy who's pretty much probably killed tony like because he because tony's looking at everyone he's like he's always got his eyes open and that's you know big part of his life we're in his head like you said um but here's chase talking about the song choice um the biggest feeling I was going for, honestly, was Don't Stop Believing. It was very simple and much more on the nose than people think. Um, that's what I wanted people to believe, that life ends and death comes, but don't stop believing. Um, there are attachments we make in life, even though it's all going to come to an end, that are worth so much, and we're so lucky to have been able to experience them. Life is short. Either it ends here for Tony or some other time, but in the spirit of that, it's really worth it. So don't stop believing. Yeah, and that also kind of is a weird echo of Junior's thing of like, yeah, because even though Junior's not, I mean, he's dead in a way, and you know, you hold on to those, hold on to those times. And I love the because I didn't realize that it gets brought up directly in this scene because again, I don't think I've rewatched this since it aired for whatever reason, just because. I wasn't just going to rewatch. Yeah, not even that I was annoyed, but it was like I wasn't just going to rewatch the last episode. I would have to rewatch the whole show. And for whatever yeah. reason, there have been a few times where I started a rewatch, but I only made it to like season four or something. But then maybe I got caught up in another show. And this was just a great excuse to do a full on rewatch when we did the show here. But I was thinking about just my memory of this scene. I was thinking a lot about the season one finale when they they all have dinner at uh, Vesuvio's with with Artie and you know Tony does bring up like you focus on the good times and AJ brings it up here and Tony thinks yeah. he's being an asshole <laughs> when he <laughs> says it but uh, I love that he's just like no no that's what you said and you know j even just the idea of like sometimes there are things you say that you forget but it like leaves an imprint on someone um, yep. but I, I just love the weird callback to that because I mean obviously the Sopranos always kind of ends on a family thing or a get-together but it felt more connected for whatever reason to that dinner uh, at the end of season one. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of parallels to, to season one here. Um, I wanted to uh, go through a couple of other quotes here. Um, let's see. Uh, David Chase mentioning uh, a previous episode, stage five. Uh, or no, maybe, yeah. Uh, no, sorry. He's talking about... Uh, this scene he says there's no esoteric clues no da vinci code everything that pertains to that episode is in that episode and it was in the episode before that and the one before that and the seasons before this and so on there have been indications of what the end is like uh remember when jerry turkiano was killed uh, yeah Silvio I, was so that's uh, the guy that's when, when in, stage was five. in there. yeah i believe five. yeah well, i'm sorry Good yeah continue um, Sylvia was not aware that the gun had been fired until after Jerry was on his way down to the floor. That's the way these things happened. It's already going on by the time you even notice it. And I'm not saying anything. And I'm not trying to be coy. It's just that I think trying to explain it would diminish it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you know what? I, 
I put a footnote in this when we were discussing, like you'd mentioned earlier, we uh, initially tried to, in between seasons, kind of discuss other media um, in kind of comparison or in relation to The Sopranos. And I said, yeah. let's come back to this. And here's a quick clip from Goodfellas. Let me just play this audio here. Please freeze! Don't you move, you motherfucker! I'll blow your brains out! Shut the car off slowly! For a second, I thought I was dead. But when I heard all the noise, I knew they were cops. Only cops talk that way. Don't fucking move. If they had been wise guys, I wouldn't have heard a thing. I would have been dead. Ooh, huh? What do you think? Well, now I know <laughs> why, Jim. Yeah. That he's in a car in that scene, right? Yes, yeah, right? yep. Now I know why t I thought Tony would die in a car all this time. Because you, when we watched that scene, you were like, oh, remember that for the ending of The Sopranos. And I was like, he's definitely going to be in a car. Like that's even last week I was like, do I bring up the car thing? No, I shouldn't do it because he might say something that will confirm or deny the car theory. So that's what you implanted in my head when we watched oh, Goodfellas sorry. about a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, I was just more talking about what he says, how you don't hear. No, anything. I get, I get that now, yeah. Jim, but I didn't at the time. <laughs> well, uh, we'll go into a car real quick, and I, I think they do reference this quote on the wiki, but they don't have the exact quote from the Soprano Sessions. Uh, David Chase. Is, it's, it's funny because they're not even talking about the final episode; they're talking about the season beforehand. But it somehow gets into it um, because. Chase talks about how he started thinking about the end of the series. I guess around when they're shooting season four, one of the producers, Chris Albrecht, said like, hey, you know, you need to start thinking about how you're going to wrap this up. And so the question yeah. here is, if Chris Albrecht had not come to you and said, you need to start thinking about wrapping it up, would you have gone on a number of more years past what you did? And Chase says, no, nah, I probably would have ended it sooner. And they're like, what, really? And he's like, I think so. Um, once he said that in a way, I was being given an alternative. Do you want to do this or not? So I said, yes. If he hadn't come to me and said that, I probably would have ended it in some other season and said, let me go off and make movies now. That's my dream. His statement kind of gave me a structure and an end point that I could see. Um, and then so they say, well, but you said you didn't try to plan too far ahead. So when you said that there was an end point, you don't mean Tony at Holston's. You just meant, I think I have two more years worth of stories in me. And he goes, and then this is David Chase's response. Uh, this kind of was making headlines about a year ago, roughly, uh, when this book came out. And I almost thought maybe you were going to get spoiled somehow from this since people were talking about it a lot. But David mm. Chase's response was, yes, I think I had the death scene around two years before the end. I remember talking with Mitch Burgess about it, but it wasn't, it was slightly different. Tony was going to get called to a meeting with Johnny Sack in Manhattan. And he was going to go back through the Lincoln Tunnel for his meeting. And it was going to go black there. And you never saw him again as he was heading back. The theory being that something bad happens to him at the meeting, but we don't see that. And then they reply, you realize that you just referred to that as a death scene. And then it's just a long pause. And then Chase just goes, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says on the wiki, Chase later clarified saying he was not describing the Holston scene as that death scene, but the earlier scene. So the one he was 
the one he was describing there. That's the scene he called that death scene. Yeah. But, you he, know. He does say, um, well, because it says, like, the, the, the side note is Matt and Alan explode into laughter. After a moment, Chase joins on for a good 30 seconds. And Chase just says, I changed, but I changed my mind over time. I didn't want to do a straight death scene. I didn't want you to feel like, oh, he's meeting with Johnny Sack and he's going to get killed. That's the truth yeah. of it. So he does, tr- he kind of tries to, like, save it a little bit. Yeah, just walk it back. A uh, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fairly clear what's going on. Uh, this uh, final quote, I promise, for me at least, it says, um, uh, let's see, uh, I'll just say this, talking about the ending. When I was going to Stanford University's graduate film school, I was 23. I went to the sea Planet of the Apes with my wife. When it was over, I said, wow, so they had a Statue of Liberty too? <laughs> So that's what you're up against. So he says, <laughs> I think what he's saying there is uh, some people are just going to get what you're going for and yeah. some people are not. And uh, in that example, he obviously wasn't because he was like, whoa, mad. They had a Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Which is great. I love so. that he admits that, though. That's great. Because yeah. I feel like you could pluck, you could definitely, just us discussing The Sopranos, we've each had those moments where we've had our idea of a scene and then the other one's like, no, I think it was this. And we're like, oh yeah, duh. Of course that's what it was. (laughs) Where was I going? How did I go with my thing? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, That's, that's the end, Jim. That's the end of the Sopranos. Yeah. So, well, I guess you already did kind of say, so yeah, you you think it's great, right? Yeah, I think it's great. Are we talking about the whole series or this scene? Just this, both, how, yes. the ending and the you know just uh, the construction, the cut to black, the the way it the way it builds to it, and yeah, so yeah, it worked for you. I mean, I am in such a unique position of having gone through it scene by scene, so I've like thought about it. I've expected him to die for six seasons, and I know if you watch a show on TV and you're like, yeah, he's probably gonna die, but I'm hoping for him, I'm rooting for him. I'm like, I'm, I've been pretty sure throughout that like cut to black means death like it's the name of our show and everything um so i i i was assisted by that but in general the scene itself like david chase directed this and i think he only he directed the pilot and he directed this and that's it he didn't direct any other episodes and like he's directed some other small things but like it's so uh it's it's put together with such care this final scene and i think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's exactly how it should end, given everything that's been going on. And of course, I, I even last week, I was like, so how is Phil or one of Phil's underlings going to kill Tony or whatever? Yeah. Of course, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not, that's not the thing. You get the victory because you kill Phil, but it's a hollow victory because uh, of everything. Like, Junior's forgotten you. All your friends are dead or in a coma. Uh, Polly Walnuts doesn't even want his gig, but he's going to do it anyway because he's just the same as you and he doesn't change either. Um, and we get to sort of check in. AJ tries to change, but they stop him from changing. Uh, Meadow is who she is because of how she's grown up. We get to see all of this and the final scene. I mean, I will. So halfway through the final scene, I'm so tense because of how it's cut and because I know what's coming and there's just a few minutes left and I'm like, what's the thing? What's going to be the thing? Yeah. Um, and even now, like, I, I kind of want to talk about it, but I also feel like it's irrelevant how, like, wh- why and who kills him. Like, you know, we can get into it briefly, but it's also not important. Uh, my thinking would be, because they theorize maybe, you know, Butchie isn't, you know, maybe he, he like, it's a, it's a con and Phil knows that Butchie's with him and whatever, but I don't think that's it. I think Butchie or someone on that side is just like, 
well, we already killed, like, most of them anyway. Like, we could just kill Tony, and then we get way more money. And he's not expecting it now, so let's just fuck it. Like, fuck yeah. it. <laughs> so, because life is so fucking cheap, and who's going to be around to protect him? Polly. Like, <laughs> he's lost all of his infrastructure and everything. Um, yeah, so, so that's my guess. Do you have a guess on, on that? Like, what is actually happening behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, because... I mean, uh, I think even in that interview where they're talking to Chase about it, they're like, because one of the guys is like, well, I don't really think people had a reason necessarily to kill Tony or something like that. Or Tony was in the clear at this time, like narratively speaking. And even yep. Chase's response is like, well, I mean, just by his way of life, that there's no such thing. So yep. I think you're you're right. It doesn't really matter. It's not like specifics. But yeah, I could totally see the same thing where it's like, because it almost doesn't make sense that they would want to reach out. Like, I understand it didn't quite go to plan because they didn't get Tony and they got the other guys. But And I guess maybe money is more of a factor because I'm sure they're getting a little lighter envelopes as well. Business isn't quite going as much. And as we know, money's the big, uh, the, the final say in, in this thing of theirs. Uh, so, you know, maybe they would reach out on that respect. But they're so close to just taking him out might as well let him think he's comfortable and then just take him out just for good measure and yeah put in or let paulie do it or and paulie wouldn't do it i guess maybe he would uh put paulie in put whoever in and then just move on they're just a glorified crew anyways yeah uh it cut out a bit there just for old time's sake oh, uh, nice. so i didn't catch all of that yeah. but uh, it's all right it's fine I, yeah. I got most of it and i think the reason I don't, that's also part of why I don't think it matters with Polly as much. Cause like, what's Polly like? Yeah, may, I, I don't know where Polly ends up. It doesn't seem like he's talked to the guys in New York and they're like, we want you to be head of the family. I genuinely believe that he doesn't want like to be the top guy cause they keep getting killed as well. So, but I mean, yeah, he probably would take it over cause he, he, he definitely wouldn't like go to war on Tony's behalf. Like who's still there for him to go to war with? Like it doesn't, so, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense for them to just get it sorted. But again, I don't think it's like he, he's never in the clear. That's well, the thing. He's always looking over his shoulder. I guess the big question then is if it seems that we're in agreement, are we putting Tony up on the fucking counter? Is that where we're at? That's like that is cuts of black is major statement on the ending on where we're at. And little did I even realize that when we started doing this counter like goof, yeah. that it would come to this. Uh, and it's only making me emotional just talking about it. Do we have to put Tony on our counter? Damn. The funny thing is, because with all of Chase's comments, I'm like, you can read it this way, you can read it that way, you know, whatever. I'm kind of like, no, Tony's dead. Tony's <laughs> absolutely dead. But when you ask that, I'm like, but then Tony will be dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I He's on my counter, Jim. I would put him up there. You know what? Uh, let's, for good for good old time's sake, you know what? Gatsha, Oh, that just hurts. That hurts. Just... That's rough. That's so rough. Now, if you disagree, if you have a compelling reason that you think Tony shouldn't be on the counter, we can make an unprecedented decision that if we're swayed by any of your emails, we may reverse that, which yeah. we would, of course, do by playing that sounder 
backwards. Um, <laughs> and we will get that technology in place by the time we do our wrap-up episode. Yeah. So if you have a theory, send it on to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. We already talked about this for uh, over two hours, yeah, so I think Jesus. it's a good idea to do the feedback in a different episode. But please send all of your thoughts to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Yeah, I mean, I guess if any episode is going to be our longest, it should be when we're talking about the finale. Um, yeah. Just a couple quick call-outs then, because yeah, I, I guess we've kind of said everything we want to say on the on the ending. I'm sure most people, they it's been gone over. People have their theories. Like I said before, I, I just because we have a theory, I, I do believe it's still open enough. You can not to be like that douchey artist. Like you can take whatever you want from it, but I think there is enough. You could take whatever you want from it still, but I, he's clearly dead. Um, <laughs> but I do want to call like, it's, it's obviously even now in hindsight with James Gandolfini passed, uh, uh, having passed away. And even Frank Vincent, who plays Phil has passed away. It does. It is more emotional. Um, and it, and it is sadder because, like great, great actors, great performances, delivering like such memorable, like character, like memorable, like the bar of characters. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to a lesser extent, Phil, because he served his his own purpose. But Tony Soprano, you know, we've talked about Breaking Bad a bunch or other shows similar like that. But Tony Soprano is he's he's the bar of anti-hero characters i mean yeah. i know breaking bad's one of your favorite shows if not your favorite show but and and maybe i'm just still in the glean of the sopranos rewatch but like tony soprano to me is untouchable as a character yeah and gandolfini like you know just because think about rewatching breaking bad after brian cranston has passed away like it just it adds that extra meta layer that does make it like more sadder and more, you know, a, a little bit rougher, but I just want to call it out. I mean, we've talked about his performance many times, but you know, it, it can't be overstated. I'd say. James Gandolfini. I mean, we've also talked loads about how the Sopranos is a staple, a classic, a, a, a you know, some would call it a starting shot for the golden age of television or what have you, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever, whatever your categories are. It's a fantastic TV show coming out at a time when not a lot of other television shows were as ambitious. And it's something that grew over time. Like we discussed the pilot episode and watching the pilot. I remember when we watched the pilot two years ago and like me going, this is good, but like, it's, it's going to, it's going to need to build something more complex and, and stuff. And that's exactly what they've done over the years. Because after that pilot, there could have been a TV show that's really good. Or there could have been a TV show that's amazing and does something different. And that's what The Sopranos was. Like, I wouldn't have minded watching the simpler version of The Sopranos. Where episodes end with people getting killed instead <laughs> of begin with them. And now, then it's all about how you're depressed about it or whatever. Like, <laughs> that would also probably have been a good show. Yeah. Um, but they did something where... Where they were able to tell a story in visual medium that builds on its complexity over time that goes for years and years and obviously there's a lot of long-running tv shows and obviously like there's a lot of old tv shows that i probably haven't seen that do a lot of interesting things and advanced storytelling in the visual medium but compared to a film there's only so much you can do in two hours or three hours, the Irishman would tell you um there's only so much you can do in a film so when you're in tv you can build the story 
you can build it upwards instead of to the side, if that makes sense. When you think of the storyline, you're going from A to B in, you know, their, the hero's journey, whatever. You're going from A to B. Uh, you can do that in a movie. But in a TV show, you can add layers of complexity, like you're building a building or building a tower, or more and more of, like, depth that you just get out of it. And uh, I'm not going to say they're the first to do that, but they, James Gandolfini's performance as well, I don't know. It all ties in for me, and it's just a fantastic series and a fantastic end to it as well. Um, so that's my thoughts. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's great. And I guess, you know, yeah, we've gone on. It's It's been a long one, and <laughs> we've mentioned we'll probably come back with a series recap. I'm sure we'll say some similar stuff, but... Uh, yeah, to reiterate what Jacob said, if you, if you do have some other thoughts or differences, especially with our take uh, on the final scene or just the final episode or any other episodes at this point would be fine. You can send them to shows, which, you know, show at gmail.com uh, or you have other recommendations. Like I said, I, I'd like to keep some stuff, keep some discussions going. Um, I'm sure we, we'd always talk about how we wanted to visit, revisit The Godfather and maybe kind of talk of that in context of The Sopranos. Uh, I maybe want to delve into um, some, like I know David Chase made another movie with Gandolfini. It's very different from The Sopranos, but maybe worth discussing. Uh, and James Gandolfini's made some documentaries, stuff like that. Things uh, to kind of keep the conversation going. Any ideas you might have or thoughts, please send them to shows that you know show at gmail.com. Also, please submit reviews still, even though we're done with the main show. Yeah, and of course, Many Saints of Newark coming out this uh, September. So we'll be talking about that. You better believe it. And um, I've also mentioned showswhatyouknow.com where all our stuff is. But I also wanted to shout out again, hey, if you like this maybe you'd like other things that we also make that are different so besides shows what you know.com you can go to jim and them.com for jim's main podcast i mean it has a, a fair few more listeners than this does um it's a really good comedy show over well yeah 600 episodes right we're 600 something oh yeah um, yeah we got a oh, lot yeah. Been a while. Uh, another show that adds complexity over time, much like <laughs> The Sopranos. Um, and for me, I have awesomepedia.org. Uh, you can also search for Awesomepedia on YouTube for some of my video essays and other animation projects and, and loads of nonsense that I like to make. Um, but besides that, Jim, is there anything else we need to say? You know what? There's one more thing. Oh, what's that? 